to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. It is episode 412 of the podcast. Don't question it. Why would we lie to you? We have a podcast. Uh... uh very excited about this week's podcast. It's a big chap and a fairly small rest of the show. Really excited about this week's chap. It is a chapful. A chapful. It's a sequel to a chap. And then next week, I've figured out another interconnected chap. So we'll be doing what I believe will be the first chapology. Three chaps that are interconnected. We will be talking more about the, this week, this, this week we will be talking more about the situation in 1979 which caused Norman Fell to be screwed. It's all one specific executive's fault. And then next week we're gonna continue discussing that. It's gonna be very exciting. So uh, yeah, we've got a, a big show and I'm pretty excited. Uh, uh, I was gonna sing a song start off the episode, uh, but I don't remember what song I was going to sing, so I guess I'll just skip it. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. I, oh, wait, no, I want to sing, you know, I, I didn't want a song until you said you were going to sing a song, and like now uh, I kind of need a song. It was a lullaby, it was a lullaby, and I don't remember what the lullaby was, but, oh well. We're going to skip it. I'll try and figure it out maybe for later. I just shaved my legs. They look amazing in the pantyhose I'm wearing. Really happy about that. Anyway, let's get to when, it. Whenever I have cut my, whenever I've shaved my legs, I have cut the living shit out of them. Oh, I didn't cut them at all. I'm really happy about that. I really thought that it was going to be uh, a horrible situation. I was going to be bleeding like crazy, but no. No, it, it turned out pretty darn good. Yeah, so I, I might as well that. use a cheese grater. Yeah. Yeah. My, mine turned out all right, so I'm happy with that. Uh, no problems there. So, okay, let's do this. Bonnie! Yes! This is the tenth week of our summer-long deep dive into IMDb's list of the 100 worst movies of all time, and I thought it would be hilarious fun to do a, a deep dive into the 100 worst movies of all time. I thought it would be so much fun, a rip-roaring, exciting summer. But instead, it's been a cinematic trail of tears that I'll need years of therapy to get over. Yes. So uh, thanks for that, Yui. Uh, now, at the top of the show, uh, what I've been doing lately is I've been discussing one of the 100 movies on the list that we will not be watching this summer uh, because we're not doing 100 episodes in a single summer, so we can't do all of the movies on the list. Uh, but not this week. This week, I want to talk about the films that are on IMDb's bottom 100 list that we will not be doing because we already did them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine movies 
on the IMDb bottom 100 list we have already done on the podcast way before this that's, summer. That's a hell of a, a number, though. It's pretty impressive, yeah. It's pretty yeah. impressive. And not only that, I did the research and found out the episodes. Oh, wow. That okay. We did them in for any The Pope on Film completists out there that, that just absolutely have to really complete the summer. You can go back and watch some of the episodes that we have already done. Uh, for example, I, I have them in order of where they fall on the IMDb Bottom 100 list and not when we did them on the podcast. So starting from the top and going to the bottom, and, and also it, it, I still find this absolutely fascinating, but IMDb's Bottom 100 isn't a concrete list. It keeps changing. New movies are added. New movies disappear, and so there are. So the numbers of where a movie is on the IMDb bottom 100 change all the time. Some of the movies that we've already done on the podcast have already disappeared from the IMDb bottom 100, or have had their their the, their number changed. So this is the number that they were on in the IMDb bottom 100 list a week ago. So here you go. Number 81 on the IMDb bottom 100 is your favorite movie in the world, Batman and Robin. Love this movie. Does not deserve to be on that list. To be clear. At all. You fucking cretins, you. We did this in episode 41 and it was a double feature with uh, uh, Colin Jost's film, Staten Island Summer. And to be clear, I specifically remember you hating Staten Island Summer and loving Batman and Robin. So I just want everybody watching or listening to this to know that Bunny loves Batman and Robin but did not like the SNL fest that was Staten Island Summer. And that's just a travesty in my, in my, yes. in my mind. But that's beside the point. Bella, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Mom had the gay glasses last. So ask mom. I do not have the gay glasses. So that is episode 41. You can track that down. It's a double feature. We've done some of those. Not a lot. So there you go. Number 74 on the list is The Room. Tommy Wiseau. We did that in episode 132. That was over four years ago. That we did the room. Yes. Uh, funny story, Mark. So there's that. Number 70, which I still think is a travesty, is the 1990 Captain America movie. And that was the impetus for the entire summer. We did that recently. We yes. did the 1990 Captain America movie, and I said, this is on the IMDb bottom 100 list, and I don't think it should be there. So that gave me the idea of what other movies are on the IMDb list that aren't that bad? And then what movies are on the IMDb list and why are they bad? And that is so Captain America gave me the idea for the entire summer. And it's not great. It's not a great film, but also it's not that bad. It does not deserve to be on the list. Yeah, in all honesty, it's not that bad. Number 50, the Emoji Movie. Boom! Episode 162. I defended that movie just like I did. Captain America. The Emoji Movie, a lot of people like to make fun of it. Oh, it's a movie just about emojis? How dumb. But 
it's not as bad as a lot of other kids' movies that I've been forced to watch. No. You know? It's right about the middle of the road as far as kids' movies go. It's not like the worst kids' movie of all time. Have you seen Food Fight? Yeah, really. Jesus. Or what's this, what's this new one that everybody... Uh, uh, the Mitchelsons? I, I watched some of oh, that. Oh, the Mitchells like... versus the Machines. I thought that was cute. Yeah, I thought it was kind of annoying. I thought it was cute, but also, like, I'm a dad, and it seemed like the movie was just for me. Yeah. Especially because I have kids that are, you know, in college, going to college, graduating college, and, like, I barely see Emerald anymore, so, like, I understand how the dad felt in the movie, and so it really spoke to me. Hi, Eleanor. Uh, Hi, Eleanor. Hi, other mother. Hi, other mother. Thank you. So, not dad at the moment. Sometimes, um, dad, like, every time, um, dad, he did a dress like, um, a, 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 um, Thank you for explaining gender to us, Eleanor. I really appreciate that. To be clear, when I have the kids try and call me other mother when I'm in the outfit and everything, it's less about, uh, I want you to refer to me by this because they use these proper pronouns and all this sort of stuff. It's more along the lines of, what if I'm covered up, if I have my face covered up and I'm trying to pass and I'm in public? And suddenly a kid comes up to me and goes, Dad, 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 I want to show you something. Dad, that's how I get lynched. You yeah. know, it's a safety thing. I mean, you have a legit concern because the hate crimes against any, any like, trans-leaning yeah. females, especially of color, yeah. it's ridiculous, the violence. And I'm a Mexican with fake boobs and a dress, so I really got to prepare myself. So just, like... They don't call me dad when I'm in the dress. It's a safety thing. I don't want to be shot to death. Yeah. I don't want to be shot with a bat. So, if, for those of you who are listening on SoundCloud or Stitcher, uh, I'm in a dress right now, and I look fabulous. So, Emoji Movie, episode 162. That's number 50 on the IMDb bottom 100. Number 39 on the list is one of our favorites, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. We did that very early in the podcast. That was episode 58. Yes. And then it was it was episode 58 of our podcast. It was number it's number 59 in the IMDb bottom 100. We did Santa Claus Conquers the Martians fairly early. And speaking of early, number 35 on the list, Neil Bob is goblin spelled backwards. That was episode 35, and that was way long ago. Yes. Episode 35 of this freaking podcast. Wow. We were only 12. Number 28. Yeah. Yeah. Number uh, 28 on the IMDb bottom 100 list is Cats, and that's a special one because it was so bad. We did two episodes of it, episode 250. And episode 251, and I legitimately wanted to do it for a third time this summer, but decided against it because there was just so many movies to do.
that I I didn't want to do a movie that we've already done twice when we could do so many new films. So you're welcome, Madonna. <laughs> Number fourteen, <clears throat> and would she appreciate it? Fucking no. No, she just she just had a birthday. She turned sixty-two, and here's the crazy thing: I'm not joking. She yeah. literally turned sixty-two. So there you go. She has not mess- messaged this podcast at all to thank us for covering her movie. Her amazing film. I, I, guess, I guess Madonna is just too good for us. Yeah, I cried when I saw Madonna's movie uh, swept away. But it's weird because I cried out of my butthole, which I didn't even know you could do, but apparently you can. Anywho. I, I, I cried, and then I tried to open up a vein, and then I had to be calmed down with a lot of medication. Yeah. Uh, number 14 on the list. Food Fight. Remember that shit with the mascots? Yes. Wow. That was so long ago. That was episode 91. That movie is absolutely horrible. Watch that and then watch the Emoji movie and try to tell me that they both belong on the IMDb bottom 100. No. I the would watch movie. the Emoji movie again. I, I, I would need yeah. a real good reason. Like, I'm not just going to go yeah. put it on. But I would watch the Emoji movie again. You try to make make me watch Swept Away again, I'm hurting somebody. I will get violent. Yeah. Maybe, uh... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's understandable. Oh, okay. Do I have you? Yes? Okay. I got yes, you, you do. You, you did lag you. out okay. there a little bit. Yeah, okay. And finally... Number three on the list, and it's impressive that it's still on number three. Manos, The Hands of Fate. That was episode 210 of our podcast, and we saw a super high-definition restoration of Manos, The Hands of Fate. And my theory was, in HD, the movie is a whole lot better, and I'm not sure if my theory was correct. But it was a lot of fun to do Manos, the Hands of Fate. And I like that. So episode 210, be sure to check that out. So, those good, sir, are the movies that we didn't do this summer in our deep dive into the IMDb Bottom 100 because we've already done them. We totes already did done do them. So if any of you listening are like, hey, Hey guys, why didn't you do The Room? Well, shit. Episode 132. Go listen to it. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Twitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Bitches! Yep. So, go check that out. Next week, we will be talking about a 1980s sequel that is on the IMDb Bottom 100 list. We're we're doing a, a, a small dive into the first movie, and how it became a hit, and then them quickly releasing a sequel, and their plans for a third one, which went nowhere because the second one did so horribly. So we're, that's next week. Join us next week for another deep dive into the IMDb Bottom 100 list. And cut on that. Party! Yes!
So I am an AMC A-list member, and what that means is that I get three movies a week for just nineteen ninety-five a month. And and uh, back in the day, I used to use it a lot. In fact, from December twenty eighteen to March twenty twenty, I saw a whopping one hundred and seventy-seven movies in a sixty-six week period, which is just freaking astounding. And then the pandemic done messed all that up. But now I'm back to watching two movies a week because baby steps. So let's discuss the latest movies because it is time once again for Steve Stubbs of the Week! There you go. So this is my seventh week back in theaters this time around, and I have now seen 14 movies this time because baby steps. This week, I saw the following two movies in theaters. I was going to watch two different things, but this is how it went. This week, I saw The Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad. Okay. Now, first, let's discuss the movie that was not chosen as my movie pick of the week, and that is The Suicide Squad, the second time. I saw it the first time, and I liked it so much that I immediately went and watched it again. And it, and here's the thing. I saw Midsommar uh, four times in theaters. I saw Midsommar four times in theaters. I saw Cats four times in theaters. I saw Captain Marvel seven times in theaters. Yeah. I believe I saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse twice. Uh, Knives Out, I think I saw six or seven times. Uh, the Gentleman, I ended up watching that three times. I, I, If a movie is good, really, really good, I will have no problem watching it multiple times. That being said, uh, I watched Black Widow once in theaters. I will not be watching it again. There's no reason to. It's a good movie. It's fine. It's serviceable. I like the May Queen Florence pew, pew, pew in it. And uh, that's about it. I don't really like the movie. And I don't want to see it again in theaters. But I'll see the Suicide Squad a freaking million times in theaters. Really? I, I, I saw Black Widow, and no, I was not a fan. Yeah, I liked Florence Pew 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 in it, but I see no reason to watch it again. I, I just, I'm not interested in watching it a, a second time. But the Suicide Squad, shit, son! I will watch that a bajillion times in theaters, and I have no problem with that really? at all. Yes, absolutely. So that's the movie that I did not choose as my movie pick of the week. And finally, <coughs> the Steve Stubbs movie pick of the week is The Suicide Squad! <coughs> okay. So what a spoiler, surprise! So spoiler alert, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen The Suicide Squad. Here's a spoiler. Harley Quinn's in it. What? Shocker! And everyone said John Cena was in it. I didn't see him. No. Didn't see him. There was one character that was talking, and I saw an invisible 
body, but I didn't see didn't see John Cena. That's a wrestling joke, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, one thing that I like, and this is a small time spoiler because I am spoiling something, but also it happens nine minutes into the movie, so it's not that far of a spoiler. They do a psycho. Now, and I was telling Natasha about this, and she's like, what do you mean doing a psycho? And I explained it to her that, like, oh, psycho starring Vivian Lee. Vivian Leigh? Vivian? Vivian Lee? Janet Lee. Lee. Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Starring Janet Lee. Psycho. It's, it's all it's Janet Lee. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. Janet Lee. And then, like, 25 minutes into the movie, she fucking dies. And you go, what? Who the fuck? What's happening now? And then it, it, it shifts focus to the people who you will actually be, who are actually the stars of the movie. Yes. Uh, Quentin Tarantino did that with Death Proof, and I really like that. You really get to know these characters, and then they die like, you know, 45 minutes into the movie, and you're like, fuck! Okay! And then here's this oh, whole other but I, people, I, like, I hated that. I hated All that of whole yeah. first, pack, first group of girls. Yeah. So bad, they were so obnoxious that I really, really enjoyed seeing that one take a tire to the face. Yeah. And, you know, uh, which I, is kind of what I love about Death Proof, because then you come into the second round of girls, and I fucking love them. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. them so much. I love that whole movie. That whole movie is really good. Really, really good. Uh, uh, the movie was so good that in certain foreign markets, they... They dumped the Grindhouse shit and just released it as Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Yeah. And 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 in Grindhouse, there's a scene where the girl's like, I'm gonna give you that lap dance. And then uh, there's a scene missing, and then it cuts to after the lap dance, but in the foreign markets where they just got it as a standalone film, the lap dance is in there. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Uh, so anyway, in I had the... I'm so fucking disappointed, man, because I had a cam rip of Grindhouse, and that's freaking first, wonderful because you get the audience when it first came out. And this was the I mean, cam rips tend to suck, but this was yeah. just yes, this was just awesome. You're you're sitting there, you're watching the movie, people are getting up and getting popcorn, and you're shouting lines at the fucking screen, and I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, that's the 100% best way to watch a fucking movie. To watch that movie. Yeah. Because yeah. you need the audience. Yeah. Uh, so they do a psycho like 10 minutes in the movie. In the beginning, you meet this one badass character. And that badass character joins the Suicide Squad. And, oh, you, you get to know the characters, and here's all of these people. And then, ten minutes into the film, 
there's the credits, and now here's the people who you will actually be paying attention to, and I really like that. Uh, a surprising, uh, su some surprising people die in this. I was really, it, it's obvious that they gave James Gunn 100% free reign to do whatever the fuck he wanted, because some people yeah. die in this film, and I'm like, oh shit, you died? Okay. Oh, you died too? Wow. Okay, I liked you. Okay. Fucking shit. Okay. Uh, and good, good for you, John Cena. Shit. You're amazing in this movie. And uh, I saw the Bumblebee movie, which somehow was a Transformers movie that didn't suck. And you were all right in it. And, like, good for you. Every time I see John Cena in a movie now, I think the same thing, which is, thank God he wasn't a good rapper. Because <laughs> he released an album, and he, and he sang his own theme song when he came out to the ring, his own ring entrance music, and, and like, oh, thank God no one wanted to hear him rap, because he's a pretty good actor. And also... What an amazing world we live in where The Rock had the number one movie in America, but it was bumped off by a John Cena movie. Shit! <laughs> Never thought we'd get here. No. Like, like Hulk Hogan is the number one movie in America. Oh, you know who beat it? I don't know, fucking Ric Flair. The Big Show movie. Like, fucking, that's amazing that we have two big-time former wrestlers. You know, step up your game, Batista. Yeah. He's going to be in Dune soon. Like, okay. That, it's just, it's surprising. You know? Oh, the opening credits for the, the Suicide Squad, they used the song People Who Die by the Jim Carroll Band. And yeah. I got so excited because, like, I fucking love that song. So yes, much. Is. And here's James Gunn using a song that I fucking know, and I got so fucking hyped for the rest of the movie because they used that one song, and oh, it was so good. And uh, I really liked the film. It didn't do, it's the number one movie in America, but also it didn't do that much in the box office, and some, like, talking heads are like, oh, the, the Suicide Squad, a suicide flop? Why didn't this film make more money? Oh, is it because they gave James Gunn too much free reign? Is it because DC movies just aren't successful in the box office? Is it because Hollywood is finally getting bored with comic book movies? No, it's because there's still a fucking pandemic, you fucking idiot! Yeah. Fuck off! Every time I go to the movies, I think the same thing. These shouldn't be fucking open! Yeah. I mean, there's people are still fucking dying! Yes. It's fucking ridiculous. That's why the Suicide Squad didn't make as much money. It's because as much as uh, society wants to ignore it, the pandemic isn't fucking done. No. Fuck. And the low box office receipts of every movie that's being released right now is fucking proof of that. If this was a normal summer... This movie would be making massive amounts at the box office. But we're still in a fucking pandemic. It didn't make a lot of money. But god damn it, I'll watch the Suicide Squad a bajillion times. It's it's a Suicide Squad movie, and it's also 
very much a fucking James Gunn movie. And the bad guy is Starro, Starros, the fucking dumbass giant starfish alien monster from the DC universe. Okay. He was in the cover of the first ever Justice League, I think, and they're all fighting the big giant alien starfish, and it's the one superhero, supervillain character in the DC universe that, like, oh, no one could ever do this in a movie, and James Gunn said, hold my beer. Yeah. So, and, and they did it in a really interesting way, and it's just, it's such a good movie, and I really loved it, and I, I might go see that four or five more times in the theater, because it's just so much goddamn fun. It's, uh, it's, Bell- it's a DC movie, so I, I, I don't want to like it, but it's James Gunn, so I think I'm gonna. It's so good. I, 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 I've heard nothing but good things about this movie, and I find that rather yeah. upsetting. Technically, technically, it's James Gunn's second DC movie, because I know it's not a super... I know it's not a DC movie, with finger quotes. I know it's not technically a DC movie, but we all know what he was trying to do with Brightburn. Yeah. We all know who that's supposed to be. There's no beating around the bush. The Suicide Squad is James Gunn's second DC movie. There you go. So yeah, that's the Suicide Squad. I already have my tickets for next week. Next week, I'm going to see Deadpool starring in the movie Free Guy, which might be really good and might suck ass. I'm not sure. And the Aretha Franklin biopic, Respect, starring a woman that is already Jennifer Hudson, and already they're saying an amazing performance, incredible, I smell Oscars, will this sweep the Oscars? And apparently, we've all just ignored the fact that her last movie was as a singing homeless cat with a perpetual runny nose in one of the worst fucking movies of all time, but yeah, I guess it's Oscar season. For yeah. Jennifer Hudson. So that's upsetting to me. You probably can't tell because they keep it in so well. You but do. yeah, you join do. us next week for more up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week. And cut on that. My boobs are wet. I need to dry my hair better after a bath and shower. But anyway. Bunny! Yes. We still have a a big show to get to. We have Bunny Versus. We have a Shaft. We're going to be talking about Good Times. BJ and the Bear. Oh my god. Super Train. And then we have a movie to get to. I have a pretty nice look at the making of the film. There's a half-hour documentary that Vice did about the making of Birdemic, which is really good. Uh, and I, I watched that. And uh, I need to go get a, a, a clothing hanger, too. For when we do. <laughs> yes. This week, Gotta have a clothing hanger. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? Maybe. We should take a break. Okay, 
I concur. We're, we we're, over we're overworked. You're all sweaty. Yeah, yeah, I understand. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film <coughs> after this. Do 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 right back with more. So stick around. Don't move. Just sit. Just, just sit down and wait for the show to be back. I swear to God, if, you, if we come back for the show and you're not sitting there waiting, I swear to God, I will break you in half. I will break you in half. Don't you test me. Sit there and wait. Satanic sex drivers. 
much, much, much later. Hey, Grandpa, tell me about the time you committed treason. Well, our president was a racist and a rapist, and he lost re-election. So we decided to break into the Capitol and try and hang the vice president. Kill a bunch of people. I saw somebody take a big shit in in a hallway. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a pretty great time, and and that's my story. That's not a very good story, Grandpa. Well, fuck you, you piece of shit. Between work and school, I'm a very busy person. I don't have time to meet this special. So I went to loverspage.com, paid the $700 fee, and filled out the questionnaire, which they obviously ignored. What? Hey, baby. My name's Ted the Stab. Ted the Stud? Yeah, um, it's really Ted the Stud, but, uh, that don't rap. <laughs> I wanted someone who was financially stable. Oh, okay. Hey, are you ready to go? Oh, uh, hey, are you going to pay for this? Because I spent my last five bucks on some lottery tickets and some 40 ounces. Oh, never mind. I got some Chef R.D. in the car. Be right back. I wanted somebody who was sweet. Oh, you're beautiful. Yeah. Amazing what you find when your neighbors don't lock the car door. <laughs> you need a Bible? I wanted a person who was family-minded. So, do you have any kids? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure somewhere. Hey, who is that there, that there picture of you? That's my sister. Ooh. How about later on you, me, and her get together in the bedroom? I wanted someone adventurous. Uh, are you expecting? Look, uh, if it's the cops, I'm not here. You're wanted by the cops? Yeah, look, it's a little bit of a misunderstanding. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know she was 15. I, I thought she was 12. <laughs> I wanted someone to call me unexpectedly and tell me they needed me. Hey, baby. Ted, it's three o'clock in the morning. I know, baby, but I need you real bad. The cops got me. <laughs> I need bail money like now. It cost me 20 minutes of my time to fill out the questionnaire. $700 to join, one bad date, 20 calls a night for two weeks, and another $200 to file a restraining order. Thanks a lot, loverstate.com. Loveyourstate.com. We just promised you a date. Wow. This room, this room is perfect. The aura in here, man. Oh, this room is so good. This is a great, great room. Yeah, I mean, this room is exactly like the one downstairs. I mean, you can do whatever you want. A shrine right there on the oh, wall. Yes, a shrine with incense. Yes, and you smell the incense everywhere. Yes. And my chupa 
we'll have to move the TV. Yes, throw it out. Oh, yes, get rid of it altogether. I'm gonna procrastinate a little bit more. Oh, oh, I'll hit open strings without my right hand. Using my left hand, singing. I need to quit singing so I can start drinking. Here I go. Night is a while. Steam in the subway, the world is on fire. Woman, you want me? Give me a sign. Catch my breathing even closer behind. Hungry like the wolf, hungry like the wolf, 
dead in the ground. Here come the crowd, cause I'm on a hunt down up Dario. I smell like a sound, I'm lost and I'm drowned. And I'm hungry like the wolf. I'm out of line, it's discord and rhyme. Cause I'm on a hunt down up Dario. My mouth is lined with juices and wine. I'm on a hungry like the wolf. Bed in the ground. Bring from the crowd, I'm on a hunt down after you. I scented the sound, I'm lost and I'm fired, and I'm hungry like the wolf. Crumble line, a discord and rhyme, I'm on a hunt down after you. My mouth is alive, a running side, and I'm hungry like the wolf. Bust the sweat doing that song. <sighs> that deserves a drink. Don't mind if I do. Oh, judge me by my size, do you? Mm. My penis you have not seen. Huge it is. Mm. Yes. Suck it, you will. Mm.
Cuomo resigned. Oh, yeah. yeah. I still want to know why he's not in handcuffs. Because white people can get away with so much. So much. It is astounding. Uh, we and go then through, oh, he his... should resign, he, he should resign, and the whole time I'm like, no, he should be arrested. Yeah. That's what should happen here. He shouldn't, like, just lose his job over gross sexual harassment. And then he's got his brother on TV... Covering up for him by not bringing up the allegations. It's so fucked up. Yeah. It's so incredibly fucked up. Yeah. Fucking Cuomo. Forgot about Cuomo this week. It's crazy. So much is happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know... Like, I, I don't even know what to say anymore because we're pretty much dead as a species. So yeah. I'm having a hard time with how much of this shit matters. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're I not going to be able to do anything about it. I want to live in a universe where the first Fast and the Furious movie bombed because, oh, what's the plot? Stealing VCRs. Okay, that's fucking stupid. But then they make ten Barb and Star movies. Yes. And each one is crazier than the last. Oh, Barb and Star in space! Barb and Star! Fight Nazis in... in... the in on the moon. You know? That's what yes. I want to see. Yeah. And then there's like a spin-off. So instead of Hobbs and Shaw, we just get Talking Club. Yes. <clears throat> so that's what I want. That is what I want. Yeah. And let me tell you something. All this summer, we've been placing Barb and Star in movies. I don't think we did it last week, but Alone in the Dark was so bad that, that we just didn't do it. But let me tell you, how much better is Barb and Star? How much better would, would uh, Burdenic be with Barb and Star in it? Oh, oh. Every movie needs at least some Barb and Star. They just, it just yeah. does. I am sorry this yeah. has been scientifically proven. There have been studies. Yeah. Okay? Like, oh my... Oh my god, there's these birds. Do you see these birds? Oh my goodness, why are these birds attacking? I don't know. I don't know why these birds are attacking us. They're going to get in our hair. They're going to get in our hair. Oh no. I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing my running culottes. Oh, you maybe, know who could stop maybe, these birds? Maybe they're, just, maybe they're just hungry. Maybe we should get them some bird feed. Maybe we just need to get some bread. Oh, no, let's go to the bread store. You know who would be able to stop these birds? Don Cheadle. And, and that winds up being true. It turns out the birds were just hungry. Barb and Star feeds them, yeah. and, and they go away. 
and then they leave. Yeah. Love, love Barb and Star. Oh, God, I love everything so about much. that fucking movie. Love that movie so much. Fucking love it. That's the standoff. <laughs> So, I've been sick this week, Bunny. Have you? No, it's not the COVID. No, it's not. I got tested yesterday. I got three different tests yesterday, and I passed all of them. So, it's not COVID. Did I'm just study? sick. It's just fucked up. It's just fucked up because from, like, 1900 to 2019, you go, oh, I got sick. That's fine. Everybody gets sick. Everybody gets sick a couple of times a year. You take some medicine, you lay down for a little bit, and you're fine. Getting sick is a part of life. And then 2020 hit, and suddenly it's like, I've got a sniffle and a slight cough. Oh, my God, I've got COVID, and I'm going to fucking die. Yeah. And it's like, no, you can still get sick. And it's not COVID. And I feel like when I'm saying that, I'm saying it to society but also secretly to myself, because I am one of those people. I am one of those people now, apparently, where it's like, uh, my stomach hurts. Oh, my God, I've got it. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, no. You still get sick. Not everything is COVID. And so I've been sick this week. I've been, I've been pooping like I've got something to prove. <laughs> I have been pooping as much as... Michael Phelps is winning gold. If anything, it's impressive. I've got some... Imp my, my poop is, like, impressive right now. Yeah. Oh, I got that going for me, which is good. Uh, but, but also, like, I, I was getting sick, but also I was barely eating, so... Uh, but I've, I've also lost a lot of weight, so, uh, hey, not eating has its uh, benefits. There's also the fact that, that a couple of days ago, my allergies were, like, killing me. because Just the cats. Yeah. The kittens that we have in the house are still not young enough to go outside. <coughs> so we have uh, kittens in the house. And we had a small yappy dog, Sketchy, but Sketchy's gone with Emerald. So we are still, we still have uh, Auntie and Uncle's dog, Bernard in the house and it's much bigger and it sheds and it stinks and it just wants to be pet and so my allergies have been through the roof and so my wife said why don't you take an allergy pill and i said i don't think i should take an allergy pill because as you and i both know for whatever reason my body chemistry makes it so that every single solitary allergy pill i take is basically three roofies so maybe i shouldn't take an allergy pill and my wife said by your this, it's really bad right now, and you're suffering, and maybe it's just worth it. So I took an allergy pill, and I swear to God, I was groggy and fucked up for, but like, two days after that. It, it's okay as long as you don't get fresh with yourself, you know. Right? Right? So, and then there's also the fact that uh, my wife and I are actually drinking like adults now. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, like, oh, I'll have two or three Coors uh, uh, Lights, or I'll have a Corona. But now suddenly my wife is making, uh, 
you know, we've got scotch in the house and, and whiskeys and different types of whiskeys. And we'll look up recipes and we'll make them. And, uh, like, uh, we, 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 we just bought a bunch of alcohol to make mudslides. And uh, my wife sometimes now uh, Twitch streams video games. And they get a little bit of views. But you know what gets a lot of views? Her and I drunk off our ass and me in a dress drinking at 1 a.m. <laughs> Apparently that's what people want to see. So it's like my body is like, 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 oh, my God, we're Jack Donaghy from 30 Rock drinking. What happened to the Miller highlights? Yeah. So my body's getting used well, to that. So if, if I see you or Tasha pop up, if I get a notification, I might not necessarily yeah. actually be watching, but I will put a body in the room. Good, good. I appreciate that, you know, because that helps. Natasha gets upset when, you know, she bought this expensive camera that I'm using right now and an actual good microphone that won't whiff off out of the window while I'm driving. And so, uh, so she spent money and she's trying and she's reading books and she's watching videos trying to learn how to be a successful Twitch streamer. And I was like, you're reading these books and you're watching these videos to learn how to be a Twitch streamer. Let me tell you how. Lose the shirt, wear a spaghetti strap. Yeah. You're a white woman with huge boobs. It's really simple. Yes. I'm sorry to have to say that. I'm just being a realist. This is the way you become a successful Twitch streamer, but uh, hey, what do I know? But she tries really hard, and she said to me, like, uh, hey, do you want a drink tonight? We can stream. And I'm like, I'm not feeling it. I'm sorry. And she says, it's okay. It's just that I don't think that I alone am, as charis am charismatic enough to be successful. But when you and I get together, we're wonderful and people want to see that. And that really, like, I felt that in my heart, you know? Yeah. Like, damn, that is, thank you. That, that is very sweet of you to say. So my wife's trying really hard. And uh, I've been sick, and it's not COVID. And also, uh, it, this is weird to say, but I'm freaking out. And that's exciting. Yes, you are. I'm out. And I, I, I went out on, I came out on Twitter, and that wasn't a big deal, because it's Twitter, you know? It's Twitter. And some people were like, hey, you look great, and I support you, and, and that's fine. But not a lot of people cared, because it's Twitter. So that was nice. It's like yelling, I'm gay and I'm proud, in a busy New York City street. Like, that's yeah. me coming out on Twitter. Like, okay, nobody cares. But still, <laughs> I get the pride and joy and happiness of saying, I just came out. Sure, nobody cared, but I did it. So then after that, I came out on Instagram, and uh, a lot of people who, who I knew, like uh, schoolmates and people I used to work with, saw that and supported me there. But the last one that I was really scared about was Facebook because I've got family there, you know, people yeah. who I barely know, uh, people who saw my story times in Norman and might not know all of my backstory. And uh, 
But I do say, I've been saying this to myself, through my entire experience with coming out about my pansexuality and my gender fluidity, is that if you really know who I am, this ain't too fucking surprising to you. Yeah. You know? If you really know me, you'll be like, oh, I'm gender fluid and sometimes I'm a woman and I wear a dress. And it's like, oh, yeah, in other news, fucking water is wet. What? <laughs> so, but still, there's a lot of people that don't know me that well who say that they know me. And so it, I, I was worried about coming out. And so I finally came out on, on Facebook. I got the Instagram story and I just, do you want to post this to Facebook? And it's like, oh, that's frightening of an idea to think about. And I was like, honey, it wants me to share this to Facebook. Should I? I'm a bit worried about that. And she's like, it's up to you. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let me just think about it. Let's drink like crazy. So we drank and we drank and we drank. And it's like 3 a.m. And she's like, hey, honey, uh, I'm a little bit wasted. You're a little bit wasted. Do you want to do... You know, it? Yeah. And I went, yeah, I mean, it's been a while, but fucking hell yeah. But first, let me do something. And I just posted it to Facebook. And I'm like, this is the exact way that I would come out on Facebook. Drunk at three in the morning, right before my wife and I are going to snuggle. Yeah. So I did that. And now I'm out. And that's been exciting. One of my friends on Facebook, we used to work together, and uh, he had a kid right around the same time that we had Bella, and so he is a super far-right winger, and, it, and he's the one person, and I think a lot of people have this, he's the one person where he's super far away from your political beliefs, so much so that, like, He's kind of, sort of, almost crazy, so much so that maybe, maybe I should unfriend this person, yeah. but also, he's kind of a family friend, so I've got to keep this person as a friend on the social media. You know, I think a lot of people have that. Yeah. I think. But he posted about me in a dress, and I was like, shit. Fuck, this is it. Finally, the blowback that I have been fearing. This super far right winger who hates libtards is going to like tear me a new one. And he, he wrote, uh, I have found that during this time of uh, social and political chaos, when all of us are dealing with this pandemic, a lot of people have spent a lot of time by themselves and have found time to reflect on who they are and who they want to be. I've seen a lot of people in my life go through some pretty drastic changes due to this pandemic, and you are obviously one of them. And let me just say that I commend you for being brave and living your truth. And I was like, oh, fucking shit! Yeah. Oh my god! I thought you were going to start saying, like, you look nice in a dress, you queer drop 2024! But no, he was really nice and respectful, and I'm like, fuck it, okay. Yeah. Hey, I consider that a personal win. So now I'm, so now I'm just out about the fact that hey, sometimes I wear a dress. 
Fucking not a big deal. It's 2021. We're in the future. Women can wear pants. That, that was a huge plot point of the freaking Jungle Cruise movie that women used to not be able to wear pants, so it shouldn't be a big deal. They don't want to dress up and look fucking pretty. So uh, I'm going for an Ed Wood thing where it's like, I'm a man, and I've got a drink in my hand, a, a, a tumbler of scotch, and I'm drinking, and I can drink you under the table and kick your ass. And also, I'll be a beautiful woman doing it. Yeah. <laughs> is what I'm going for. But uh, let me tell you something. I had no idea how expensive big boobs are. So I went, I went for, for smaller ones. And I, and I had a couple people that said, you should go bigger. And it's like, you know how much uh, fake boobs my wife's boob size cost? It'd be like $250 to get really? my wife's boobs. Yeah. These here were like 40 and these are like nothing. These are like a small handful. I wanted to get my wife's. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get like Natasha's size boobs. How much are these? Shit. <laughs> okay. Well, I had no idea how much fake boobs cost. So it, it, it's a whole new world. It's a different world now. I'm learning so much stuff. I shaved my legs today so they would look better in pantyhose. And they feel so nice. And I love them. And I have all these dresses now. And, and I, I just feel really good about it. And I'm really happy that I have kids who uh, support it and aren't creeped out by it. And I have a wife that loves and supports it and, and is teaching me things about hair and makeup and dressing nice. And so sometimes she dresses nice because she sees me dressed up so nice. And it's like, oh, hey, I want to dress up nice, too, like my husband and a really nice and sweet. And, and so that's been that's been me. How are you, Bunny? I, I am good. I am good. Pantyhose, the couple of times I've worn them, is a very interesting sensation. A very cooling sensation. You know? Yeah. So, um, other than that, Jeannie is away for the weekend, so it's I been kind of lonely. I saw that. Is she in Seattle? Yes, she is. Yeah. For her son's wedding. Nice. I'm going to stay like this, try and get some more views. Cover up my mustache. Okay. <laughs> Let me put on... Let's, let's try and bait people into watching this part of the show here. I'm really happy that the pandemic happened because I can put a face mask on and not talk. And it'll seem... I seem almost passing, and I'm really excited about that. So here's my boobs. And then... I'll put my feet up, and then, hey, boys, come watch our stream. I'm going to be playing Deep Saber later, and my boobs are going to be shaking. You yeah. should watch. No views. No extra views for this. You kidding me? You bastards. Look at this. Well, Look well, at my what did damn. You expect, though? Did you expect them all to come rushing in? Like, how would they I even know yet? I absolutely did. I absolutely <coughs> did. Uh, I put my uh, legs up and was like, hey, boys, come see my screen. Nothing. Nothing. 
one extra person. Thank you, whoever you are. So Jeannie's gone, huh? Yep. Yeah. She'll be back on Monday. Oh my god. Oh. No, the reason that I'm sorry. Hi Bonnie. Where'd Jeannie go? Uh she went to she went to Seattle for her son's wedding. Oh, nice. Congratulations to her son. Yeah. So what's Eleanor's deal with Sonic? They're asking the about Sonic. They're asking about Sonic because the house is just looked at. You can see Sonic from the house. Oh, okay. Which Sonic? The one on this side. Oh, cool. The one on this side. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because I don't think of you. Right. Oh, when I lived with Debbie in Phoenix, we were a block away from a Sonic. You could just walk there. It was so cool. Literally, you can see it. Yeah. It was so nice being able to walk to a Sonic. Yeah, we're not just off. Definitely glad I didn't slide off. Yep, cool. So what are you up to? Um, you swinging bachelor you? Yeah, right? I mean, like, so I've been masturbating a bit more. <laughs> you know, like, just stupid things. Like, like, there are some things you have to do because your other person's not there. Yeah. You know? Like, I got a 12-pack of Coca-Cola. Oh. Jeannie is listening. She said, not the engagement. Not the wedding, but the engagement. Okay. Well, I thought the wedding was happening directly after the engagement. I thought it was like a twofer. Hmm. Well, I guess cancel the wedding. So, so I, so I got a twelve. I, I got and drank a twelve pack of Coke, you know, because like, like I'm so old. That's being bad, you know. Yeah. That's it. That's something I shouldn't do. That's something yeah. I probably wouldn't do if Jeannie was here. Especially now I know that she's listening. So nice. that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll. I'll get a 12-pack of Coke, and I'll eat too much Taco Bell. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm a rebel. Rebel! <laughs> I just, like, like for me in my life, though, I just feel like I am very comfortably slipping into grandpa mode. Yeah. You know? Like, that's what I want to be. You know, I, Grandpa's just looking forward to his retirement, whatever the fuck that might be. Yeah. You know. Uh, I understand that. I, I, odds are that will be heat stroke, but... Hmm. <laughs> one of the reasons why I came out is because the pandemic has taught me that... Um, Comfort is the most important thing in my life, and I never want to fucking wear jeans for the rest of my life. Yeah. That before the pandemic, I would go out, and I was like, okay, let me wear jeans. They're uncomfortable, and I fucking hate them, but I'm going out. Let me wear jeans. And then the pandemic happened, and the lockdown happened, and I'm wearing nothing but, like, sweats and pajama bottoms. 
every day for a year, and then suddenly things are going back to normal, and I look at the jeans, and I'm like, no, I don't want to wear jeans. I hate jeans. Fuck it. I'm, and I'm, I, I've gotten to an age where the most important thing to me right now is just my comfort, and like, and I don't care about what anybody else thinks, and it's like, fuck it, I'm going to be in a dress. I don't give a fuck. You know? Yeah. So it's like I understand that, like, I've finally reached the age where it's like I don't really care what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy about that. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely do not care what other people think. Uh, I, I more view myself as a consciousness in a meat vehicle. And I'm okay with the meat vehicle it's in. I'm not thrilled with it. It's very much like the car I drive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If you take a look at my car, nothing fancy. It's had a cracked windshield for like over a fucking year now. You know? And that's fine because yeah. it gets me to where I'm going. And I and I, I, I spend my more of my life in my head. You know? Where, yeah. like, in, in most conversations, it's like, what have, what have I basically been thinking that week, you know? Um, yeah. So that's it. It's like, I, I, I got stuck in a particular body, and I'm okay with that, you know? Doing anything about it would be like an effort I don't want to take, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> but if you want to put chrome re- wheels on your ride and a nice hood scoop, go for it. Yeah. You know? I'm going to just shake my big, I'm just going to shake my big boobs until until we get more followers. There you go. <laughs> you want to see my necklace? Uh, first off, here is my wedding ring because it doesn't fit anymore because I got it when I was <coughs> freaking 20. So this is my wedding ring. And then I've got this ball on my necklace too. And you open it up and there's two things inside. Okay, number one is a plumbus from Rick and Morty. So I've got a plumbus here. And then number two is a small figure of spider ham. And it's in a, both of those are in a ball that I wear around my neck. So that's my jewelry. I love it. Yes. Yes. So, uh, been watching a lot of Batman 66. And it's just brought back a lot of really good memories. Yeah. Every episode is basically the same episode. One night... You just swap out the bad guy. Yeah. One night, Bella and I stayed up late, and Bella started watching these compilations of different Jokers throughout history. And she kept having to... They kept having to pause them while I explained to them, like, like, Dad, what the hell is Batman Beyond? Who's Tim Drake, and I'm like, okay, that's a whole thing. Okay, let me explain that. And then it's like, wait, who's Jason Todd? And what's what's the Red Hood? 
He doesn't even have a hood. He's got a mask. And I'm like, okay, that's also a whole thing. Let me explain death in the family to you. So it, it was this whole thing. And, and she, they started watching these different Jokers throughout history, and I'm just like, like, I'm sorry, but my Joker has a fake flower that shoots acid and is hanging out in the abandoned amusement park. Yeah. My Joker is not gritty. My Joker is not, uh, like, an, an intense, violent serial killer. No. My Joker tells you a joke and then hits you with one of those, like, uh, one of those, like, fist guns, you yeah. know? That's my Joker. My Joker has a bunch of puns and laughs a bunch and isn't some sort of twisted, demented fucking Charles Manson motherfucker. And my, my Joker definitely does not have tattoos on his face. And I was trying to figure out who my Joker is. And then it just hit me. God damn it. My Joker has a mustache. But this is a shitty show, and he refuses to shave his mustache for this shitty TV show. Yes. So just cover my mustache with face paint. Mm -hmm. That is my Joker. Yeah. My Joker's a freaking Mexican. That's my Joker. Cesar Romero, motherfuckers. See, I don't know. See, I, I just think that... that Batman and comic books in general are just really open to different interpretations, and I like to see different interpretations. And I like Batman and Robin because it's a throwback to Batman 66. Beyond the doubt. You know, uh, uh, you know in the, the, DC, the DC cinematic universe is hit and miss, and most of it's pretty shit, but the animated movies are all fucking amazing. Yeah. And they're all in the same uh, universe, and so each movie is uh, a continuation of the other movie, and uh, now, in those movies, they just did the Long Halloween as a two-part film, and uh, fucking uh, Jensen Ackles from Supernatural is now the voice of Batman. Really? Yeah. And it's like, good for him. Yeah, he's been doing pretty good, and he's on The Boys, isn't he? Yeah, uh, in the upcoming season, that's that's going to be starting. He's he's a huge part of The Boys now, and it's like, shit, everyone's talking about that. Like, good for you, Jensen Stankles. Yeah, I just don't want to learn your whole universe, you know? Like, yeah, yeah I hear The Boys is good, but, like, I don't want to put in the effort, you know? Invincible is great. Now that one, I want everybody to watch. Animated yeah. show, there's only like eight episodes or some shit like that. Fucking intense. You watch the first episode, and you think that it's a cheesy superhero story, and then the ending comes, and it's a shocking ending. The sh there's a shocking ending in the first episode, and then the rest of the season is fucking wonderful and incredible, and I want everyone to watch it. Yeah. Everyone. It's, really, it's, it's a really simple story, but with some really dark-ass twists, and I fucking love that show. But I haven't watched The Boys. Because, but yeah, because yeah, like, like I just got into Invincible. Now I gotta get into The Boys, fucking... Uh. Yeah. Also, it seems really gory, and I got kids. This is the reason why I never watch Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. I even got to see Invincible. But, but yeah. I never watch Game of Thrones because it's like I can't be watching some sort of incest, violent, gory, titty show every week. 
Yeah. With my little kids. Game of Thrones for me was more like, all right, you're asking me to remember who way, way too many people are. Yeah. In the midst of the apocalypse, you know, like there's other shit going on. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't want, I, 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 I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's good. I just have not had any interest in it. You, you're, you're not in the right headspace to get into uh, a story about the Justice League, but they're all violent, narcissistic assholes. Yeah. That's understandable. We, we're, we survived four years of Trump, and we're still in a pandemic, so I'm just not in the right headspace to watch the fucking boys right now. Yeah. I forced myself to watch Invincible, and I'm glad I did, because that was amazing. But, like, I, I can't watch The Boys right now. I just can't. Although I'm really happy that Bones from the new Star Trek movies is doing so well for himself. Oh, my God. That guy is fucking amazing. I, he was I, great I in so Ragnarok, with him, too. Because, like, I first noticed him in... He was in a couple of different episodes... Of Xena the Warrior Princess. Fucking Xena! He was in at least Clear two episodes that Zena. I know of. Carl Urban. Yeah. And, no and therefore that implies he was in at least a couple of episodes of Hercules. Yeah. But I didn't like Hercules, uh, I liked Xena. Yeah. Uh, Xena Warrior Princess is the show that taught me that, holy shit, Sam Raimi has a brother that looks just like him. Oh my god, Jockster the fucking mighty. I loved that whole fucking character. Sam, huh? Sam Raimi has a mini Sam Raimi that Sam Raimi puts in all of his shit. Yes, I know, yeah. That's I, what I, I love. Ted Raimi. Ted Raimi is more of an actor. Yeah. And God, he is in a million B-horror cult movies, Ted Raimi. And the first three Spider-Mans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He he was like the second-hand guy for uh, J. Jonah Jameson. He would pop up like, Jonah, we've got two different ads fighting for the front page, you know? Oh, fucking jockster. It would be nice to see him come back. Yeah. It would be nice to see him come back. But just a couple of notes on Batman 66. It's basically the same goddamn episode every fucking time. You're just switching out the bad guy. You're switching out. Like, it's the mad libs of TV shows. You know? Yeah. And, like, what exactly does fucking Commissioner Gordon do? No He's idea. like, oh my god, there's a crime in Gotham. Let me call Batman. No, like, maybe you investigate. You know, maybe you send a couple of units around. Yeah. Maybe yeah. an APB. I don't know. You do some cop shit. And then when yeah. you're foiled by the bad guy, then you call Batman. 
yeah, at least try and do your fucking job. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it yeah. anything other than a parking ticket? Yeah. Like, fucking, just because you have Batman doesn't mean you get to not be fucking police officer. And I accept that in yeah. this... I accept that in this Batman 66 universe that he is the world's greatest detective. Especially when you've got a commissioner who doesn't really want to do anything about crime himself. So yeah, comparatively, yeah. he is the world's greatest detective. But like, how good of a detective do you have to need when the bad guys are giving you very, very elaborate clues as to who they are, what they're going to do, where and when they're going to do it. Batman is the Benoit Blanc of detectives. Yeah. Yeah. I just sit down and let the mysteries solve themselves in front of me. <laughs> But that's kind of it. Those are some of my... But still, it is, like, entertaining as fuck every goddamn time. Especially since you've got some really big Hollywood names at the time. I mean, they're not really A-listers. But Vincent Price, Shelley Winters, uh... Oh my god, who else? I Romero, Liberace, uh, for Christ's sake. Gorshin. You know, so, so just watching these people, like, you could tell that they're having a lot of fun. The regulars yeah. on the show may not have been having as much fun, but Shelley Winters was loving every fucking second of it. And so was Vincent I'm... Price. It was like, let me go be as hammy as I want to be. Batman, the TV show, did my boy Vinny Price dirty. You mean yeah. to tell me you couldn't put him as some evil mad scientist in a haunted house, and a giant mansion, and oh no, there's ghosts in it. No, you make him a freaking egg. <laughs> Fuck right off, TV Batman. You did Vincent Price dirty. Yeah. But now to jump out of Batman 66, like I think it's open, it's open to different interpretations, and that is what I would like to see, different interpretations. Like, like after Heath Ledger, I want to see everybody's fucking Joker now. I want to see everybody's Joker. I want to see them dig in and come up with what is their fucking interpretation of the Joker. And, like, like, I appreciate Jared Leto's Joker. I appreciate the at effort. I just swung, don't think it at worked. At least he swung from the rep. At least he swung for the rafters. You know? Yeah. It was like, okay, this at is least, a really different look for the Joker. Yeah. At least, he, at least he put in his, you know, 110% and tried his hardest, but... But it was a yeah. crap movie. What, you, you That's a no from me, dog. Yeah. Yeah. 
Bonnie, are you there? It. I think that's about it for this okay. week. Uh, okay. So, so we're going to revisit Norman Fell? We're not revisiting Norman Fell, but we're going to talk about the situation in which he got his own TV show and why he was sort of destined to fail. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, we'll get there. We'll get to Norman Fell. I just, I just really, really fucking enjoyed that one. You know, it just brought back like a lot of memories that, oh, oh, you know, oh, especially honey. with, especially, so many more memories. Especially like pulling up pictures of Norman Fell when I'm doing the artwork for the show. And just seeing him in yeah. all these different shots and from all these different movies, I'm like, oh, God, yeah. You know? It was yeah. just a, a wave of nostalgia. Like, yeah, I kind of remember seeing him in a lot of shit before the Freeze Company. But, you know, I was young. I don't yeah. remember what. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, then the nostalgia meter is going to go... That shit insane for you this episode, because uh, oh, just buckle up, baby. This is gonna be a big one. It's gonna be a big one. NC, NC. Just one final note before getting over there, because now I am curious. But like, Three's Company was still in the time where everybody only really had three fucking channels. Only three channels, yeah. You know, well, that's not technically true. You had ABC, CBS, and NBC. You know? That's the three major channels. Yeah. So, and like, there were a billion VHS channels all over the place. I, I watched a lot of Three's Company without particularly thinking it was all that good. Because it was yeah. just all that was on. It, it was always on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna love this one then. You're gonna love this one. This is gonna be this is gonna be huge. What? Oh yeah. Oh, this app, yeah. No, you're gonna love this one. Okay. Really then, then let's get on over there. In that case, so. Okay. This has been it. We're bunny versus. On the edge of the apocalypse. Pretty much sure. You know, humanity is over with, you know, and since we can't do anything else, let's just try to surf our way out, you know, but as always, what I really want you to remember is self-adhesive tape, yes, please. I love that. And cut on that. And cut on that. But I... Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays that's sweeping the nation? But only real fans, true hardcore fans who have been with us since day one would know two things about you and I, two undeniable facts, really real facts, and in no way made up on the spot facts, about the both of us America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. 
First and foremost, Bunny, the first fact about you is the fact that when you're not doing the podcast, you are in fact a stewardess. So tell us, Bunny, what was it that made you want to become a stewardess? Well, let me tell you, we're talking about back in the day, and my ass looked so good in that miniskirt. You know? Uh, That's a spicy meatball. I didn't necessarily like get it, it getting pinched, but but it or was the, the look I was going for, you know. Yeah. So that was the big attraction back in the day, much like these Star Trek uniforms. From what from what some of the female actresses had had to say, uh, but yeah, it yeah. was really the outfit, and it was like. Stewardess was as close as you can get to, to like corporate hippie. You know, they yeah. liked kind yeah. of portraying stewardesses as as just swinging young girls. You know, they're in a new city. They're out about the town. You know. Yeah. So that that was also part of you know selling. So like part of me wanting to become the stewardess was not only how great my ass looked, but but the lifestyle it was presenting to me. You know, from being a, a a small girl in Nebraska. You know. Yeah. Shucking corn my whole life. Shucking corn. Yeah. I look amazing right now. They, they do that in Nebraska, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this part of the show is find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know that well, and reword it by my own unique storytelling style. No. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation! Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not, Personally, I like the name Shaf. It's short, it's loud, it's spirited. It's the youngest daughter of podcast segments. It's <laughs> It's the Eleanor of podcast segments. Anywho, this week on Shaf, we will be <coughs> discussing the life and career of TV legend Fred Silverman, his rise to fame, and the disastrous 1979 midseason that nearly destroyed his career. It's a shap quote because it is loosely tied in with our last chap about the screwing of actor Norman Fell. We'll get to Norman again. In so just it's a it's more bit. of a it's more of a, a a three mothers trilogy than what you would think kind of, of as a traditional trilogy. Kind of. Where I I feel that this chap is just expanding on what happened to Norman Fell. In all honesty. 
but we'll get to there. But first, we need to talk about Fred Silverman, a television legend. You might be thinking to yourself, who's Fred Silverman? I don't know him, so he must not be a legend. So here's a fun fact for you. You know, the, who's the leader of the Scooby-Doo gang? Fred, okay. Fred Jones, named after Fred fucking Silverman. Really? That is a fact that Fred from the Scooby gang was named after Fred Silverman. That's how big of a deal Fred Silverman is. Fred Silverman is. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Fred Silverman never wore ascots or talked to dogs, but still, Fred Silverman is a big deal. He was born in New York City, half Jewish, half Catholic. He grew up in Queens. His dad repaired radio and TVs. So even in the beginning, there was a slight connection to television, and he continued his connection in college. He got a degree from Syracuse, and he got his master's from Ohio State. And his thesis was a 400-page in-depth analysis of the last 10 years of ABC television programming. Who okay. the fuck has that as their, as their, as their uh, thesis for college? God damn. That, and that was before the internet. Yeah. Shit. God damn. So already, god damn Fred Silverman. This thesis earns him a job at WGN in Chicago, the Superstation. <laughs> I love WGN in Chicago because it is a local Chicago TV station that in the 80s and 90s, if you had cable, you also had this one small-time Chicago TV station. Yeah. So, like, I grew up knowing who the bleacher bums were. Yeah. I grew up as, like, a 12-year-old who could do a decent Harry Carey impression before fucking Will Ferrell came along? You know, like, like yeah. I knew who Bozo the Clown was in 1983. <laughs> Even though I lived in Phoenix, and that's really amazing. It's all because of WGN, the Superstation. From there, he moved to WPIX in New York City, and then the So that's time. my stomping ground. Yeah, and he did so good there that that led to his big break, CBS. Uh, first, he was overseeing all daytime like, programming. What the fuck would oh. he do? I, like, I can't well, imagine what the see... fuck he would have done. WPIX was fucking WPIX, you know? He was, he, was, he was one of the people who was in charge of selecting programming for the network. Yeah. And it's like, it's, and so when he moved to CBS, his first job was overseeing daytime programming. So you get to choose the talk shows in the morning, the news program. You get to choose what soap operas we run. And then after that, we're syndicated. Oh, shit. You know what that fucking means? Huh? He was responsible for the Don Ho show. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking probably. Uh, so he's overseeing all daytime programming at CBS. It's 1970. And back then, at CBS, the guy who was overseeing all daytime, uh, who was overseeing all of the programming, period, 
was a guy named Michael Dan, and his idea was, okay, look, everyone right now is focusing on demographics, ages of people. Oh, we want to advertise to young people. We want to advertise to 25 to 39-year-olds. That's not how we used to do things back in the day. Back <laughs> in the day, it wasn't about demos and specific audiences. Screw all that. We're going back to the old days. Back then, it was just about getting viewers, plain and simple. We're going to throw all those demos out of the goddamn window and just try and get eyeballs watching television sets. It's as simple as that. But the problem is, it's the 1970s, and, and uh, that is, it's a toy, but there is a tiny uh, uh, magnet in that, Eleanor, so please do not point it at any of these expensive things, okay? Okay, just as a favor to me, your other mother. So the problem is that it's the 70s, and advertisers are like, okay, Michael Dan, uh, fucking, we want to advertise to specific people now. We never did this before, but now it's the 70s, and shit. You mean to tell me we can advertise specifically to 18 to 34 year olds? We can do that. We can we can we can actually pinpoint our advertising now to advertise for specific people who watch specific shows at specific times. We don't want to do it the old way anymore. So advertisers started fleeing CBS because they were like, "We're going to do things the way my grandfather used to do things," and like people don't want that shit anymore. So. Uh, CBS fired Michael Dan, and boom, hey, Fred Silverman, you've been doing pretty good with the daytime stuff, and we all read your thesis, and uh, 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 here's the thing. CBS used to be in first place, and now we're in second place, and ABC is this unstoppable juggernaut. So we're going to give you a promotion, and this is why. We read your fucking thesis, and we want to take fucking ABC down. Yeah. And so Michael Dan was doing things the old way. We fucking <coughs> fired him. You're an up-and-comer. You know ABC programming better than anyone on the fucking planet. Do us a favor and help us get to number one again. So now Fred Silverman is in charge of all programming, and the first thing he did was an actual thing that was a big deal at the time, and it was called the Rural Purge. Yeah. That was Fred yeah, Silverman. Yes, I know the Fred, purge. Fred Silverman comes into comes into power, and he's like, "I'm in charge of all the programming." Okay, let me look through all of ABC's programming. Why is there so much redneck shit on television that worked yeah. in the fifties? That worked in the sixties. It's the nineteen seventies. We we gave. Uh, you mean to tell me there's a show on TV called Mayberry RFD? Do you really think in the 1970s people want to see more of the Andy Griffith show in yeah. color? So he's like, the first thing we need to do, man, it's, I mean, we have young people who are wanting to watch TV, and we've got all of this old-timey green acres shit. So the first thing we need to do is, is like, if we want young people to watch our network, we cannot have so many hours of programming a week dedicated to... So it was an actual thing that they called the Rural Purge. 
Green Acres, Yeehaw, the Beverly Hillbillies, Govmer Pile, Mayberry RFD, Petticoat Junction, all canceled, all gone. And then the year after that, they would even cancel Lassie, Pat Buttram, the actor who played Mr. Haney on Green Acres. He yeah. literally was quoted as saying, CBS canceled everything with a tree in it. Oh. Including Lassie. And that was Fred Silverman's big idea that, like, we need to get the redneck shit behind and focus instead on the hip people, the young people, the hip new generation. Of course, we're talking about the generation that will never die. Baby boomers. Yep. So, so he greenlit so many shows that he thought would be cool and marketable for young people and, and modern-day people in the 1970s. He personally greenlit more upscale fare, The Sonny and Cher Show, Kojak, All in the Family, MASH, Barnaby Jones, The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yeah. That was all Fred Silverman. He was also really good at spotting spinoffs. He greenlit All in the Family. And he's like, I've got an idea for a show. Racist. Guy is racist. It's a fucking show. And it was a big hit. And so Fred Silverman was one of the first people to say, this show is a hit. Let's make another one. So All in the Family is a hit. Oh, this one black family's uh, popular in it? Shit, give them a show. The Jefferson. This is now a show. It's a spin-off of uh, All in the Family. And oh, what? People love fucking B. Arthur? Great. Give that bitch a show. Yeah. And that's mod. And then the Mary Tyler Moore show gave birth to Rhoda. And then All in the Family gave birth to Mod. And then Mod yeah. was, uh, you know, Mod was a sort of progressive woman. And so she was friends with a black family? What? And the black family was given a show, and that was good times. It was a spin-off from a spin-off of an original show. This is spin-off. Okay, wait, 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 wait. She Maud was I not friends up. with a black family. Florida worked for Maud. Uh, Florida was the maid. Florida. Oh, that's even fucking worse. But yeah, they gave they gave uh they gave Florida a spin-off and that was good times. That's like if Frazier gave birth to the show It's Not. Yeah. You know? Which I, I do think he had a spin-off for a little while. Huh? I do think he had a spin-off for a little while. Nope. Nope. He did not. But like not, all the not. family but so I'm no. sorry, but all in the family, like, like, much like Happy Days was kind of doing, they would bring on certain characters just to see if, like, maybe we can get a spin out, a spin off out of them. Like the Jeffersons Shit. was Morgan, the only we'll like real. We'll get the Morkin. We'll get the yeah. We'll get the Morkin, Orkin, Laverne, and Shirley in a little bit. Yeah, like like the Jeffersons was the only like real legitimate. Spinoff. They were fairly yeah. regular characters. They were the neighbors. Yeah. If he had, they were recurring characters on the show. Uh, yeah. 
Maud came on as like Edith's sister or cousin or some shit like that. Some bullshit reason to have her on the show. They liked the chemistry. Bang. Spin off. Yeah, that was Fred Silverman. Fred or like, Silverman let's was try her in another episode. Yeah. Fred Silverman was one of the first people to be like, hey, people like this character. Give him a show. Fuck it. You know? He was the first person to really do that. And so, uh, All in the Family gave a spinoff to Maud. Maud gave a spinoff to Good Times, and suddenly it's like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll have a black show for black people. And it's like, wait, blacks and whites are watching Good Times? Oh, damn. Okay, this is actually, we thought that this would be a show that, uh, you know, minorities would watch, but everyone is watching Good Times. Shit. Well, Fred Silverman's like, I think we finally might have something to take down fucking Happy Days. Because ABC was ha- was, yeah. had a, a golden goose in, uh, in Happy Days, and everyone's like, nothing can defeat the power of Happy Days. And it's like, yeah, but we can at least make it so that minorities won't watch Happy Days. We're putting good times uh, head-to-head against Happy Days. And it did finally start chomping at the ratings of the golden goose that was Happy Days. So Fred Silverman was the first person to like, oh, shit. Happy Days is bleeding. That means we can kill it. All hail Fred Silverman, the man who took down fucking Happy Days. So uh, that's important. Put a pin on that for later. He also revitalized the game show world. And oh my God, this blew my fucking mind when I I found this out. Holy forking shirt balls. Okay. Apparently, The Price is Right started on NBC in 1956 and lasted for for seven years until it was canceled. And then ABC said, oh, you canceled the prices, right? This is a big hit. We'll take it from you. And then ABC ran it for a few years, and then that didn't get good ratings, and so they canceled it. And the general idea was it was on NBC, and then it had bad ratings. And so they canceled it. And then ABC picked it up, and guess what? It had bad ratings there, so they canceled it. So this is what it is. <coughs> the Price is Right is a dead game show. It's dead. No one will ever want to watch it again. No one will be watching this 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 fucking years from now. No, The Price is Right is dead. It's dead. No one will ever want to just keep watching The Price is Right over and over again. And Fred Silverman went, we'll take a crack at it. And it's been a hit for four goddamn decades. And that was Fred Silverman. Yeah. I was blown away by that. Like, you mean to tell me this bounced around every network? And everyone was like, oh, Price is Right is dead. No one will want to watch it again. Like, damn, Fred Silverman, like, good for you. Already, he's huge, and we haven't gotten to the main part yet. He also, because he was in charge of everything, he was a real nitpicker, and he went like, okay, now it's time to go through the Saturday morning shit. Okay, all of our cartoons are crap. All of them are boring. 
No one wants to come to CBS and watch these cartoons. You know what? I've got a friend in Hanna-Barbera. I'll give him a call. Beep, up, boop, up, beep. Hey, uh, uh, hey, uh, Hanna-Barbera people. Hey, it's me, Fred Silverman. Yeah, 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 we're all buddies. Look, um, I want something different for our channel. Something different. You know, I've, I watched all the cartoons we got on the network. I've watched all the cartoons from the other network. They're all happy, smiley. Everyone's having a good time. Everyone's having a great time. But you know what's not on TV right now for kids? Sometimes kids want to get a little bit spooked. Sometimes kids want to get a little bit scared. Fucking, can you make me a scary cartoon that's not scary? And he helped create fucking Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Goddamn Fred Silverman. And from that, Hanna-Barbera started working with CBS throughout the 70s. And before Fred Silverman took over, CBS was in second place in the ratings. But under Fred goddamn Silverman, CBS finally beat ABC and became the number one network in America. Right. Now here's where it gets crazy. ABC is like, damn it, we're, we're in second place. We were in first place for so long, and now we're in second place. God damn it. And now we need to beat CBS? And be number one? Shit! We're losing the ratings. We need to turn this network around. But who could turn this network around? Who could do that? Who has experience with getting a network that's in second place and turning them into first place hit? Okay, I've got an idea. Hear me out. This is going to sound crazy. And so in 1975... Fred Silverman was made president of ABC. <laughs> How crazy is that? Suddenly Fred Silverman is in charge with helping to save Happy Days, which he was responsible for killing in the first place. Yeah. And he was the one who was like, shit, people don't want to watch Happy Days anymore? Okay, how about this? Then this is what we do. We use it for spinoffs. Fucking, let's get some characters in there. See if people like them. If they like them, we'll give them a hit. Hey, here, put these two wacky uh, chicks in there. Oh, people like them? Great. You have a show with Laverne and Shirley. I don't care. Do it. Let's have a show where I know it's in the 50s, but fuck it. What if we do an episode where there's an alien? It doesn't fucking matter. It's TV. Nobody cares. So, he, so, so yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all crazy, but he did it. He greenlit Charlie's Angel. The Love Boat. Eight is enough. Three's Company was his goddamn idea. So, Fantasy Island feud. He came up with Good Morning America, for shit's sake. <laughs> and he did spin off Magic again. He came up with the idea for the Bionic Woman, Laverne and Shirley. And this is crazy. Uh, in ABC, all of their Saturday morning cartoons were done by a company named Filmation. And uh, Fred Silverman fired them and were like, uh, hey, Hanna-Barbera, uh, it's me, Fred Silverman. I'm in charge of ABC now, and uh, I know you're working for CBS, but could you also work for ABC? And that's why in the 70s, you saw Hanna-Barbera fucking everywhere. Yeah. Suddenly, Scoop, suddenly uh, Yogi Bear is in an arc uh, in the sky, uh, stopping... Uh, Global warming, and then over here, Scooby Doo is uh, it, it, over here. Scooby Doo and Shaggy are in a, a, a the Laugh Olympics, and then yeah. over here, Yogi Bear is like in space. 
uh, doing a racing in space. And oh, look over here. It's the all new Scooby-Doo Adventures. Uh, CBS stopped doing Scooby-Doo. So then Fred Silverman is like, let's do Scooby-Doo on our network. And, uh, the, and then uh, CBS is like, hey, we had, we had Scooby-Doo, where are you? So you can't do Scooby-Doo. So, okay, then we'll do the new Scooby-Doo adventure. Shit, we'll team them up with Batman. We don't give a shit. We'll take <laughs> Scooby-Doo from you. So that's why you would see the Scooby-Scooby-Doo, where are you? But then suddenly you're seeing Scooby-Doo and Scrappy, Scooby-Doo and Vincent Price, yeah. Scooby-Doo and fucking uh, the Harlem Globetrotters and shit. Yeah, that was Fred Silverman. Fred Silverman made CBS beat ABC, and then he jumped ship and made ABC beat CBS. Excuse me, you're making my boobs. You're making my thick boobs fall. You unhooked one of my boobs from the back, and now I've got saggy boobs. Uh, and then made ABC beat CBS. So Fred Silverman was considered, at this point, the king of television. He couldn't lose. Then ABC fucked his shit up. Okay. Okay. Um, because while CBS and ABC are like bitch slapping each other for first place, NBC has been dead last for fucking forever. Horrible. It's all shit. It's a toxic network. No one is watching NBC. If it wasn't for Saturday Night Live, no one would give a shit about the entirety. Stop throwing cat around. I have talked to you about that already today. Stop flinging the cat around, okay? It is not, not a doll that you can play with and throw around. It is a living, breathing human being. I'm going to get Andre the Giant to throw you around to see how you like it, okay? This is the second time I have said this. Please listen to me, okay? So the folks at NBC say, Fred Silverman did it twice, surely, he can do this a third time, right? Well, spoiler alert, no. <laughs> Fred Silverman was a success in CBS, then he was super successful at ABC, but apparently Fred Silverman couldn't pass up a challenge. And he's like, I'm leaving ABC. I'm becoming the president of C and CEO of NBC, and I'm the golden god. No one can defeat Fred Silverman. I'm the king of all television. No yes. one can beat me. I cannot be stopped. So he comes in. I remember him event. being a frequent Johnny Carson joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is why. Fred Silverman comes in and it's like, I've got a big vision. It's the all-new NBC. The all-new, all-different NBC. First thing we do, we cancel. Uh, we cancel. We, we redo all of the upcoming season. We're going to redo it. And it's like, okay, but Fred, you were just hired as CEO in, in uh, like, October, November. We already have a new slate of shows. They're out right now. We can't just cancel them and bring in your brand new vision for, for a, a whole wave of programming. The season has started. You'll have to wait until the end of 1979, um, we can't launch the all-new NBC now. So Fred Silverman's solution was, how about the mid-season? You know, every network has one to two uh, new shows that premiere on a network during the mid-season. 
he would have he would have been responsible for Battle of the Network Stars. He was. He absolutely was. Okay. Uh, and Circus of the Stars. Okay. So before Fred Silverman came along, TV stations only had one to three mid-season shows premiere, and mostly it was just reruns of their popular shows. But Fred Silverman said no reruns. An all-new slate of mid-season shows. I want at least 12 new shows to premiere in January of 1979. And this started, this inadvertently started a mid-season war between all the three networks. And suddenly CBS is like, oh man, we're really worried about Fred Silverman. We're really worried about this guy because he turned all the other networks around. He might turn around NBC. Okay, so what's he doing? 12 mid-season shows? Wait, 12, 11, 13 mid-season shows at NBC? Shit. We need to come up with as many as Fred Silverman had. And so the 1979 mid-season, where there would normally be five to six to seven new shows, now there were 36. Yeah. 36 new shows rushed to the mid-season lineup. It was a 36-car pileup. It was way too much. Too many new shows. And not that many wonderful ideas, because it's less, let's come up with some original ideas for new shows, and more, shit, we need to come up with shit to beat Fred Silverman. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, you might be able to, to see why this is a shaftful, a shaft, uh, uh, a sequel to last week's shaft, like, okay, uh, okay, look, I know that you didn't want to do a spin-off. I know that you said, no, it's going to be a bad idea. Nobody's <laughs> going to watch it. But look, this is going to be a great idea, Norman. It's going to be great. It's going to be a smash hit. And because you uh, didn't want to do it for so long, we've had to postpone the premiere. But uh, it's premiering in, in mid-season 1979. It's no doubt going to be a hit and be picked up for a regular season because this is a big show that we're going to be premiering during the mid-season where there's hardly anything. So as long as a bunch of new shows don't premiere at the same time, then your show, The Ropers, is going to be around for a long time. Yeah. So here are some of the series that came and went across all three networks. Um, the David Naughton disco sitcom Making It. Yes. Making It. Making It. Making It. Yeah. Uh, his Honor, all one word, spelled H-I-Z-Z-O-N-N-E-R, about the mayor of a small Midwestern town, which starred the big Lebowski, Jeffrey Lebowski, the other Lebowski, yes. the millionaire. So that was a big trip for me to see. A uh, fun fact, uh, Animal House was such a big deal at that time that every network had one fraternity sitcom. Yes. There was, oh, here's a sitcom about a wacky fraternity. Here's a sitcom called Brothers and Sisters about a wacky fraternity and a wacky sorority. It's totally different. NBC said, hey, we have, uh, we have Saturday Night Live uh, uh, on the network. Fuck it. We'll do the official Animal House Show. Oh, we can't have the rights to Animal House? Okay. Loosely based on National Lampoon's Animal House, 
They premiered Delta House, featuring returning cast members the Dean and the yeah. Fat One, and no one else. No, no, no. D Day. D Day was part of the cast. Yeah. The, the but, last remaining cool one. Yeah. But. Uh, but I think who was the straight laced guy? Oh, I don't remember. I do not remember. I saw the sure opening credits a couple he, of times. He was there as well. Early Michelle Pfeiffer yes. was in this. Yes. Yes. And uh, I I remember like also... this is right at that age, man, where I'm getting out of the house, yeah. kind of watching movies on my own, you know. Yep. And Animal House was a big fucking movie. And yeah. one of the first videos to steal. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, but you Delta think, you House think that, like... Delta House was like somebody who didn't get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you had the dressing. It yeah. looks like Animal House. I'm not completely happy with the cast, but like, yeah, like they didn't like, get the humor. Yeah, it's like you ordered Animal House on Wish. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got. There was also a spin-off of Columbo called Mrs. Columbo starring a young Captain Janeway. Yes. The Stalker Channing Show... Fresh uh, off the soap opera Ryan's Oak into Mrs. Columbo. I didn't write it down, but there was a romantic comedy starring some woman I don't remember and the hero from Airplane. I don't remember I don't remember what the sitcom was called, but it was like a romantic comedy about this new couple and, and they it's have problems. Who and who? I, Maybe, maybe I saw I saw a wonderful compilation of all of the opening credits of all thirty six new shows. Yeah. So I saw the opening credits for every show. I found it on YouTube, and it's a really great video. Oh yeah, I do that from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, it shows a, a commercial for His Honor, the opening to Delta House, and it shows everything, and it was really neat. Apparently, there was also a Little Women TV show based on the book and obviously trying to be the next Little House. Yeah. And that's a smart move. Little House is such a big book that's like, shit, give me another book. (laughs) Give me the rights to another book. So they did Little Women, and it's like, good for you, but also, no. No, that didn't work. One of the biggest failures was the sitcom... Hello, Larry, starring McLean Stevenson from MASH. And, and NBC promoted it as America's next big comedy smash hit. And it was such a big hit. They were certain that, that the, the sitcom Hello, Larry would be such a huge hit that it was paired with the most expensive television show made at the time, Super Train. Poor McLean Stevenson, man. They, he yeah. gave his life in a chopper crap.
crash. So he could to get do his own Hello Larry. Show. Yeah. So he could get his own show, which was absolutely just not. Yeah, it just wasn't there. And yeah. like, what? I, I, I moved into a new town, and I have to live with my ex-wife. Like, okay, that's not the most original idea for a show, but like, oh, we're looking, McLean Stevenson. But they were so certain that Hello Larry would be a hit that they teamed it with their expensive new show, Super Train, which was so expensive for 1979 that Super Train almost bankrupted the entire network. No. Super Train and Hello Larry were advertised as w as NBC's big new shows and both spectacularly failed. Other high-profile NBC failures that uh, uh, Fred Silverman did at the time included the show Sweepstakes, The Big Show, which the only big show I know chokeslams people, so I don't know the show, the show. <coughs> but I do know Fred Silverman's other big idea, Pink Lady and Jack. This is going to be such a huge hit. Oh, man, we're going to be swimming in money like Uncle Scrooge. We've talked about... Yeah, Super Train, yeah, Super Train was hugely hyped. Hugely hyped. And it was just another take on Love Boat, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, but with an expensive-ass train. And, of course, another... High-profile failure from Fred Silverman during this time is something we'll talk about next week. A little thing known only as NBC, as FL1980. But we'll be talking about that next week. But they're making this breaking up a bit. Okay, funny. Are you there? There you are. Fuck. Okay. 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 So you're there. We're back. We're back. Yes. Okay. We are back. Okay. So uh, Fred Silverman almost bankrupted the entirety of NBC. And uh, one of the big things he's known for is a little fight that he got with one of the cast members of SNL, which led to... uh, the creation of NBC of of Saturday Night Live 1980, which is considered the worst season of Saturday Night Live, and almost canceled the entirety of the show Saturday Night Live. We'll yeah. be talking about that more next week on Shap. But the surprising thing is, is that yes, Fred Silverman's tenure on NBC was disastrous, and he almost bankrupted the entire network. But there were throughout the disastrous 1979 midseason there actually were a very small amount of hits. 
from the mid-season, yeah, we got three different comedies about fraternities, but we also got um, uh, Fred Silverman canceled all of our redneck shows. Shit, and now he's in NBC. Maybe we should make a redneck show? Because, you know, as sort of an F you to Fred Silverman because he did the rural purge, maybe we should do uh, a redneck show. How about one where, I don't know, two brothers are running from the law and, and they've got a Confederate car? I don't know. So fucking the Dukes of Hazard uh, also came from, were, came from the 1979 midseason, along with BJ and the Bear, Real People. Yeah. Oh, I love I loved that. Denise Crosby, John Davidson. I watched that all the time as a fucking kid. Uh, and also, following Different Strokes was a sitcom. Following Hello, Larry was a sitcom called Different Strokes. And that became such a big hit. And NBC noticed that, like, okay, uh, Hello, Larry is bombing, but Different Strokes is a hit. So uh, they started doing crossovers. And throughout the first and second season of Different Strokes, uh, Hello, Larry shows up. <laughs> and apparently McLean Stevenson and the dad from Different Strokes, oh, we were buddies together in the war. And that was a way to try and use Different Strokes to save their golden goose sitcom, Hello, Larry. But, uh, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Uh, but yeah, out out of but yeah, the 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 nineteen seventy nine mid season is like a disastrous moment in television history, which was all Fred Ranking down again. fault, by the way. He thought that he was a golden dude. No. Wrong. Down. It, oh, hey. Okay, then. Uh, sure, everything will go fine for you, Fred. Oh, shit. Okay, let me do something. I've got something up here, but let me see if I take this off, if everything will be better. Okay. You hearing down. me now? Yeah. Okay. It should be good now. Are you hearing me? Yep. Okay. So, yeah. It was uh, actually sounding kind of cool, though. Oh, yeah? Awesome. So, yeah, the disaster. It sounded pretty fucking awesome. That's awesome. Well, okay. So, uh, the disastrous 1979 midseason, it was all Fred Silverman's fault. Way to fly close to the sun there, Icarus. Uh, 36 new shows, and only a small handful of those survived. And out of those that survived, a number of them would get a second season purely out of stubbornness, only to be canceled after the second season. And again, we're really sorry, Mr. Fell. We sincerely apologize. Um, and again, whose fault is all of this? Fred Silverman. It is all entirely his fault. He's well known for causing the disastrous 1979 midseason battle royal. But there's another thing that Fred Silverman is known for, a moment of television history that has been called, and I quote from the book Live from New York, an oral history of Saturday Night Live by Tom Shales and Andrew Miller, quote, 
one of the meanest acts of character assassination in the history of character assassination. And it has to do with Fred Silverman, uh, Lord Michaels, and a former Minnesota governor. Uh, so next week, we will be discussing the, end, the SNL incident known only as a limo for a lame-o. Okay. We will be finishing our trilogy, our, uh, our chapology next week with discussing the limo for a lame-o incident in NBC history. That's next week. So join us next week for the shocking conclusion of, of our chapology with more Steve's historic approximation. And cut on that. Money! Yes. We still have a movie to get to. We need to talk about how in the world this movie came about. Also, I need to find a clothes hanger. And also, I just want to <laughs> spend some time with my wife. Can't, I guess you could say I'm going to be hanging out, hanging out, hanging out with my family, having ourselves a party, just hanging out, hanging out in an <laughs> empty restaurant. That is obviously closed for the night, but what do I know? And also, there seems to be some incidents happening uh, outside that I need to figure out. But uh, before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break, shouldn't we? We should take a break. And you we will be right with. We will be right back with more of the Propon film after this. Do 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 do. That is fine. You can take Bob out of the boy, but you can't take the boy out of the dress. I had some crazy nicknames back in the 70s, but all those friends died in the 80s. Okay, so I'm going to show you one of my favorite books in the world, and it's right here, and it's called Heaven is Real and Fun by Kim Robinson, and then here's the subtitle. It actually says, you don't float around wearing diapers and eating grapes. I love this book so much. This woman believes that, like literally believes that when she prays, Jesus takes her from earth and lets her play in heaven. Uh, here's what the back says. Since 1988, the Holy Spirit has been taking me to heaven. Jesus would show me various fun places and allowed me to do fun things. I asked, why, why was he showing me these places? Daddy slash God said, because people think all they do here is float around wearing diapers, eating grapes, or doing nothing but bowing before me. Okay, so this is my favorite passage of the book, and it's called Play Gel Balls. Okay. I'm not sure if this, hold on, I'm going to do this in two parts. Okay. You ready for this? 
This morning while worshipping, I was caught up in the Spirit and stepped over into heaven when I heard Jesus say, Come play gel balls. It's like a water balloon, but the ball is full of giggly joy gel. You can squeeze it into yourself. When you put one in yourself, you laugh intensely. You're in the, in the spirit realm, you can place things into yourself as if you were transparent. When you try to hit the other person with these joy gel balls, they try to get hit. So it will go into them, and they will intensely laugh. They can also catch it and squeeze it into themselves, intensely laugh and keep playing. Heaven is so fun and filled with intense laughter. This reminded me of Job 8.21 that says, He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with joyful shouting. Hello there. Yeah, so anyway, I love this book. I love this book so much. And a lot of people have asked me, why do you love this book so much? And and the thing that I love about this book is that it, this isn't a joke. This person actually believes uh, chapter 2, Daddy, God, and the Holy Spirit in Heaven. It, this woman actually believes that she can leave Earth and travel to Heaven where she has a vaguely uh, a high sexual tension relationship with Jesus. There's a passage in here where she's slow dancing with Jesus. Fragrance of Jesus. Like this woman wants to bang our Lord and Savior. And I, I just love this. I, I just... Jesus is in me. Jesus is in me. This woman wants to bang Christ. And I just love this book because if 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 you're on the street and you're pushing a shopping cart and the police ask you, what's up with you? And you say, oh, I, I, I've been talking to Jesus. He takes me. He takes me to, uh, to roller coasters. Roller coasters in heaven. You don't uh, just float around on a cloud wearing divers and eating grapes then you'd be put in an institution or a prison and you'd rot in there for the rest of your life. But if you're an old white woman and you say those things, then uh, congratulations, you're a prophet. It's, it's insane. This woman is clearly insane. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight train Going anywhere
A singer in a smoky room. A smell of wine and cheap perfume. For a smile they can share the night. It goes on and on and on and on. Strangers waiting. Up and down the boulevard. Their shadows searching in the night. Street lights, people living just to find emotion, hiding somewhere, somewhere in the night. Working hard to get my fill. Everybody wants a thrill Paying anything to roll the dice Just one more time Some will win, some will lose Some were born to sing my blues All the movie never ends It goes on and on and on and on Strangers Waiting Walk up and down the boulevard Their shadows Searching in the night Street lights People Living just to find emotion Hiding Somewhere in the night Stop believing Hold on to the feeling, yeah Street lights, people Don't stop believing Whoa Street lights, people Stop believing Hold on to the feeling yeah. Street lights People my atomic superman answer me this question why is Baron Frankenstein the truth on Frankenstein does he zoom as you in stitches <laughs> we know get it morons Sit 
Say the secret void, and you get to come back next week. So, now you got a big payday with a big stock option, huh? Yeah, I earned it. All those big deals I did with NCT. And millions of dollars of revenues and sales. Well, you've done a great job, Rod. Meet Rod. Hi. A young software salesman on his way to achieving his Silicon Valley dream. Thinking about opening up a green tech company. Really? Meet Natalie, a beautiful young fashion model driven by passion. I remember you now. You were my English class. I was. Yeah. So how come you never made a pass at me in school? Throw true love into the equation and anything is possible. I was wondering if we can keep in contact. Sure. How big was the sale? One million dollars. In other news today, the population of polar bears is declining rapidly. Hi, my name is Jerry Owens. I'm from Solar Power Accessories. This morning, flocks of seagulls and crows were found dead in downtown San Jose and along Highway 101. Hey, I thought I told you to stand back. These birds are contaminated. The crows and seagulls also caused an accident on Highway 101. Authorities are investigating the cause of their death. Rod, let's get out of here.
And this week, we inch our way ever closer to the end of our summer-long deep dive into the IMDb Bottom 100 with a look at one of my all-time favorite bad movies, number six on the list. So uh, yes. we are near the, we are in the end game, folks. Yes. The 2010... Where one of us is going to have to put on the gauntlet yeah. and snap. Yeah. And make this all week, these movies go away. <laughs> this week we are discussing the 2010 engram known as Birdemic, colon, shock and terror. Right from the beginning, from the star's robo-walk down the sidewalk, you know you're in for an amazing film. Yes. I love this movie. So I, I, I don't hate this movie. I have a certain appreciation of this movie. Uh, it's it's incredibly amateurish on every level. There's an Edwardian quality to it, definitely. But. If this was all like twelve-year-old kids, everybody would be flipping out about it. Yeah, yeah, like that Indiana Jones thing. You yeah, know? yeah, where they did the the remake in their backyard or the woods by their house or something. Yeah, there um, are interesting. I don't even know if I want to say ideas. There were interesting things that they tried in the script and they tried in the filming. None of it really works. Yeah. You know, like this whole movie would be better with a do-over. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that because the guy made Birdemic or next to nothing. And, you know, he wrote the script. He filmed it. He directed it. He edited it. He, he did everything himself and tried to release it. And it became like a cult hit. And so some big studio, well, not big studios, but big to that guy studios said, hey, we want you to do a sequel. So they sort of rushed a sequel out, which was basically a parody of the first film with a slightly bigger budget, and it's it's just it's bad for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. It's like it's like watching two thousand maniacs and then watching the two thousand and fourteen film two thousand and one maniacs. You know, yeah. and it's like okay, this is not the same. I this I is... appreciate the suckage of this movie, and it does suck. Oh my God, the star cannot act. He cannot look at someone normally. He 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 can't even walk like yeah. a human. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. The, the the first problem is is you know for the 
script can use a big fucking rewrite. You know? Yeah. And if you are not going to be able to show these people as rich and successful as they are, then write different characters, man. I mean, you're not going to be able to afford the Imani suits to make them look like they have money or the fancy cars or whoever makes dresses. You're not going to be able to do that unless you're dating that Mnuchin chick. Maybe. Yeah, like like uh, uh, the guy is a super rich tech genius, but he dresses like a high school guidance counselor. Yeah. And then you're a, like, Victoria's Secret cover model. So you're, like, one of the most famous women in America. And you dress like a waitress. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you wrote the script, so you could change it. You, you, you got to try. If you're not going to have a budget, then you're going to have to make the script match what you got. Yeah. You know? Now, if he was... Well, if she was a waitress, and he was maybe an auto mechanic... Yeah. You know? Maybe a, a, a roofer, you know? Yeah, maybe they could be sucking down a chili dog behind the Tasty Freeze. Yeah. Then at least you would have some legitimate characters. Yeah. As much as people like to rip on the room, uh, I think this movie is worse. Yeah. Definitely. People are like, oh, it, people focus on the room because Tommy Wiseau in and of it himself is like a character that you can point at and make fun of and rip on. Whereas this was made by a Vietnamese immigrant and his heart is in the right place. So people oftentimes pass Birdemic to make fun of the room. Well, yeah, okay, okay. I I think good writing should transcend language and culture. I mean, other cultures have written some damn good stories. This ain't it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and the effects. Oh, well, well, first, wait, you know, it's like main character, main character, main character, main character, talk, 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 talk. And then somewhere you run into a Mr. or Mrs. Exposition character. Yeah, and that's all they are. That's all they're there for is to spew exposition. In the beginning, going on. In the beginning, where the model goes to talk to her mom, I was really worried for a second. Even though I've seen this movie a million times, every time she goes to talk to her mom, I imagine I definitely have breast cancer. (laughs) Every time I picture the mom from the room. And it's like, damn, it's like a bad movie, Cinematic Universe. Yeah. You you mentioned... 
What? Go ahead. You, you mentioned special effects, and it's like, hold on. You mean those weren't real birds? <laughs> Holy shit. God damn. Who does their CGI? I was 100% fooled. It's funny because... It's funny because you don't see the birds until like 45, 50 minutes into the film, and you're like, God damn it, I don't care about this romance. Just get to the birds. God damn it, now it's the weakest sex scene in the world. Just give me the birds. And once the birds pop up, they start emitting the most annoying frequency known to man over and over again on a loop, and it's like, shit, please just cut back to someone in a car talking. Yeah. Because... I cannot handle these bird noises anymore. And, like, there was minor background talk about the birds and the bird situation. There was some build-up, and really nobody in this fucking movie could act. Nobody. 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 But then it went from everything's pretty normal to... to a bird apocalypse in a fucking hurry. In a in one second, you just blink and suddenly it's a it's a bird it's a bird apocalypse. Yeah. But all of yeah. those effects, or at least most of those effects, I recommend I I recognize from a program called Particle Illusion, which never yeah. gains any real traction. And a lot of that is just stock. Yeah, stock Crap footage out of that program. Yeah, stock footage, music, stock footage, special effects. Yeah, it's all. So like they didn't, and they didn't even like try to blend the effects into the environment or make them look different. They just look plain fucking goofy. Even even the fire looked goofy. And you could see that it was the same three fires, like, in a row. Well, there's also the fact that, like, this guy didn't have a crew. It was literally just him and his camera filming it with some people that he hired. He had zero crew. There's a story I've got. I got it here. He hired a makeup lady, then she saw what they were doing and quit. So the director hired a second makeup lady, and the second makeup lady quit. So the female lead was the makeup lady, and so all of the actors were also the crew. And so when it came time to make credits, he just made up fake names. And it's funny because on one hand, it's sort of like, I don't know, vaguely sweet, that it's like, this is just one guy making a movie, and he edited the film. By himself, in his house, on the weekends when he wasn't working at his job, which was what was paying for his bizarre Hollywood dream. And so it's like, oh, there's an Ed Wood quality of like, this movie sucks and I'm going to make fun of it. But also, your heart's in the right place, fucking guy. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 would, I would not be surprised if this person was allowed that they would turn out pretty good. Because like, all of the elements are there. They're just not very good. You know? Yeah. And everything could use more work and more polish. Yeah. You know? But, like, but like 
and I appreciate it. And you don't want a project to take forever, but you know, you literally have the program in front of you that you are lifting the effects off of. You could learn a little bit and change them up some. You have the power in front of you. Yeah. You could make the birds look more realistic. You know, with with the same thing you're taking the birds from. You yeah. know? Yeah. And he didn't do it. He used them straight out of the can. Yeah. Yeah. The problem that I have with discussing this movie, and one of the reasons why we haven't done it up to this point, is like, there's so much wrong with the film that I don't even know where to begin. And even though our podcast is super old, I don't even focus solely on this. We would not have time to discuss all of the problems with this movie. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, you open the page on a Where's Waldo book. Yeah. Uh, you open the page on a Where's Waldo book, and, and it. Talking about Birdemic is like, like, hey, describe all the people in this Where's Waldo book. And it's like, where do I begin? There's 5,000 people here. How in the world do I begin to explain this Where's Waldo page? And that's, that's Birdemic. Like, where do we begin talking about this film? Like, the wooden acting, the horrible script, the lack of even... An iota of chemistry between these two stars who obviously have never met each other before. No. The atrocious CGI, the clothes hangers, or the band at a restaurant playing an entire concert to just two people. Like, like, where in the world do we begin because it's all shit? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Funny. Uh, I love you, and I hate to do this. Why don't you hit us with the intense plot of this week's film? Most of the movie is taken up with just human, what I have to put in really big air quotes, drama. Where he is a he is a wealthy software fiction. I, I he had a really really weird ass description of what he did, which yeah. implies that they just fucking made it up. Yeah, coder was in there somewhere. Anyway. So, for as powerful as he is, he has a really, really tiny cubicle. Yeah, yeah. But he has made the biggest sale of his life. Oh. And he, he is somehow responsible for having engineered the sale of this business to yeah. Oracle. So they're, they're all going to be rich on this deal. Meanwhile, there is a girl that he started stalking after having seen her in a diner. 
Yeah. Who was pretty attractive and has become a uh, Victoria's Secret cover girl. He walks like the Terminator. He walks like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. That's how he walks. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. I bet you that was practiced. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, this uh, is a fun... cool way to walk. I'm going to walk like this. Fun fact, that actor, Alan Bach, he was an extra in an episode of Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Season 3, episode 2, entitled Eagleton, he's sitting there during a town meeting. You can 100% see him. That's, that's the guy from Birdemic. <laughs> in an episode of the hit NBC show, Parks and Recreation. I just wanted to, to point that out. So we spend a lot of time really exploring how successful they both are in various ways, either meeting and talking with her mother or whatever. It's human quote-unquote drama. It, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, hey, let me tell you about how successful I am. I can't show you, so I will tell you. Yes. I am successful. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Do not look for any proof that I am successful because we don't have a budget to show you. But believe me, I am very successful. I don't want to dress like I'm successful, and apparently neither do you. Yeah. So let's go out to the, let's hang out in this podunk town somewhere in USA and have a cheeseburger. Yeah. Because we're successful. Yeah. We can do that. Weren't they in a laundromat at one point? I don't know. How they, really there was a montage. There was a montage where they went to a bunch of different places. Was there? There was a montage where they went to where they went to a bunch of different places. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And then birds happened. Now, there was indication leading through the movie that the birds were coming from various news bits and things like that. Uh, yes. But we, we really effectively... You know, we didn't see, like, Ben run past a couple of zombies beating <clears throat> up to the farmhouse. We didn't see that. We saw suddenly the farmhouse was completely surrounded with zombies as far as the eye can see. Except it wasn't zombies, it was birds. Yeah. So all that human drama in the beginning, you don't need that anymore. Take a pin out of that. <laughs> yeah. Because none of that is going to matter from here on. In. And there was a friend and her girlfriend or whatever and and everything, my God, looks so cheap, like the agency that called her to tell her about the Victoria's Secret job. It's like really just like just a woman at a desk. Painted it on some poster board and stuck it to the wall. You yeah. know? And you did the same thing with with imagine peace. Like, 
Really? Yeah. Wow. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. Again, maybe a little bit more time taken. You could have come up with some original artwork. Uh, but yeah, once funny, the birds I know that get this... there, they become ace bird killers. Like, yeah. like, yeah. like if the Green Beret had a bird squad, you know, like a special subsection of the Green Beret who, who would show up if pelicans got out of hand, you know? Yeah. If Flamingo <laughs> got a bit lippy, they would send these guys. But they don't really exist. I mean, he's still like a software engineer fantasy whatever he is. The other guy, I don't I don't know enough to care what they were. They were friends. That's all I know. And this them with automatic weapons. They went after him with the fucking coat hangers. Thank first, God. Like, Thank God. Thank God that guy happened to have with him a machine gun with an unlimited amount of bullets. Like, thank goodness. Hey, yeah. we're going to go to this easy-ass motel, but just to be safe, I better bring my machine gun with unlimited bullets. Yeah. Just to be safe. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice, though, that, that, that you, wake up so, you wake up in the morning... You know, Feeling like P. Diddy? You're like, how hungover are you? Are, are you going to go for the continental breakfast and bring some back with whoever's in the room with you or anything like that? And you open up the door and it's bird apocalypse. Yep. And you're just looking at that for a while. I mean, I think the birds were dropping bombs. Not sure where all the flames when, came from. When the birds, the birds would dive bomb and then explode. No one ever mentions it. That when the birds decide to dive bomb, they explode. But then at least you look at that, you take the scene in, then you shut the motel room door again, and at least, thank God, Somebody already has a contingency plan in place for such a possibility. Somebody yeah. has already thought about what you need to do if birds went wild and started to explode. And they came up with coat hangers. Okay, it's not good, but there was at least a plan. Yeah. At the very least. At least there was a plan. I mean, somebody stood there and was like, killer birds, coat hanger. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and, like, that was kind of it. They, the movie suddenly kind of wants to be Night of the Living Dead. Again, with birds. Yeah. So we start having our characters die or whatever. A couple of kids wind up showing up. I don't know. The one dude kind of like picks up a family along the way. Or... 
Not at all. And then the best that I got it, for some reason, the birds just kind of decided they had enough. And they just left. They just legitimately decided to leave. Yeah. So they all sat down on a beach and watched all the birds fly away like they were watching Godzilla return to Monster Island. And it and it stays on them for so long. It stays on them through the whole fucking closing song. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay, so funny. Yes. Okay. So I've got some behind the scenes. So this is a 2010 movie. I dare say thriller with finger quotes. Uh, written and directed and everything by a Vietnamese software developer with dreams yeah. named, named James Nguyen, who, as he repeatedly said to the press, saw the birds and the documentary An Inconvenient Truth and decided to make his romantic thriller. So this Vietnamese non-director and non-screenwriter, you know, he lived in L.A. and he has dreams of being a Hollywood big shot. In 2003, he used his software money to make an extremely low-budget romantic film called Julie and Jack. The entire thing is free on YouTube, and we would see it, but I don't hate you that much. But there is a general consensus that uh, in the comments of the movie that the acting is leaps and bounds better than Burdenic. Yeah, well. So at least there's that. Everything else seems to be the same. Bad lighting, bad sets, bad everything, because it's just this one guy with no experience trying to make it work with a very small amount of money. Well, Uh, I I would be happy if he shows improvement. Like, this is a guy I can get behind to root for. Yeah. You know, because, like, it's, it's, it's amateurish. It's all very amateurish, you know, but there's something there, there's something that you could build on, there's something you can learn more about and do better. I like the fact that James Nguyen made Birdemic, and then everyone laughed at it, and then he said, "Uh, people are watching my film and they are laughing, and maybe they just do not understand the fact that I made such a good thriller. And it is very scary, and it teaches you a lesson about the environment. And it's like, okay, you made a crappy movie, but at least, at the very least, you're not Tommy Wiseauing this and saying, yes, I did make a comedy. Yeah. It was bad on purpose because I am a genius. Like, at least you're not Wiseauing my ass here. Yeah. You know? You're not admitting to the fact that it's bad and saying, oh, people just don't understand my art, but like... I take that over trying to and God spoke this and saying, well, for my next film, I thought, what would be the pinnacle of comedy? You know? Like, yeah. it, at least you're not doing that. So after Julian Jack, 
In 2005, he directed a science fiction thriller called Replica, which would stay unreleased. This is never a good sign. Um, his 2005 film Replica would stay unreleased until 2017 when it would finally be released by Rift Tracks. Oh. That's not a sign of quality that your film finally gets released on Rift Tracks. Like, ooh, okay. Uh, then Verdemic happened. Uh, buddy, I know this will come as a shock to you, but the budget for this film was only, was actually under $10,000. I figured a hundred mil at least. Oh my god, sure. How uh, much? Under 10000 Under 10000 Yeah. Okay. So, he He's got a cast gas of... money. Yeah. He got a cast of definitely non-actors and filmed Birdemic on the weekends because everyone else had actual jobs because none of them were actors. He had zero permits, so he did it Ed Wood style. Yeah. You know, just showing up at a location and start filming, which led to a big fight between him and one of the cast members. Okay, so uh, at the present moment, the female lead does not talk to James Naguyan, and the reason is because they show up at a park to film a scene, and oh no, the bird! And they don't have a permit, so they just showed up with their clothes hangers, I think one of the reasons for the clothes hangers were, hey, maybe we can get away with this uh, in certain shots, but we're going to be filming this in public and at the park, and we can't have guns. We yeah. don't have permits, so we need something. So they were in a hotel, and they just stole clothes hangers. So like, I understand that in a very sweet Ed Wood sort of way, but they're at a park, and they're trying to film a scene, and... Uh, a bunch of people are jogging behind the actors, and the director gets angry and starts screaming and cussing at the actors, and the female lead is like, hey, maybe don't yell at these strangers. You're being very rude. And so he got pissed and stopped talking to her while they're making the movie. And he oh. would have one of the other actors act as an intermediary to talk to the actress. <coughs> So that's kind of sad. And so he was the entire crew. He did everything. He would have the other actors be, okay, you're going to be the cameraman this time. You're going to be the grip. Hold this. And so uh, whatever. And so when it came time to make the credits, he, he, he put a bunch of fake names in. And, I, oh, and I'm so happy that he finally admitted to that that there was no crew, that it was literally just him. Because every time... I see some really bad movie from the 50s or 60s or 70s, some sort of B-movie or grindhouse movie that's not from a studio that is yeah. even around anymore. I always think, like, did you do that? Did, do, are any of these names in the credits real? I yeah. often think that when I'm watching some really bad movie, like the, 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 the monster at Bear Mountain. Yeah. Some sort or of like freaks, or, yeah. yeah, and then you see the credits, and it's like this big, massive list, and it's like, okay, some of these names are fake. Yeah, I'm just nobody not has sure their, nobody has blood sucking freaks on their resume. Yeah, 
So he did the cinematography, the casting, the editing, the special effects, all of it. Very Ed Woodian. He wrapped in 2006, but the movie wasn't ready until 2010 because he's making it all of it, all of himself. So this is how people came to love Verdenic. He's like, I'm done with my movie. I'm ready to show it. I'm ready to, 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 to get it out there. So he tries to get it into the Sundance Film Festival okay. because he's convinced that this is his, this is it. This is the one I'll be remembered for. And he's just convinced that he's made this great movie. So he tries to get it into Sundance, and of course Sundance says no, but that doesn't stop him. So he goes to the Sundance Film Festival, and he gets a shitty-ass dirt bar yeah. to, like, have a TV in the back of the bar. There's still people laughing and drinking and music being played, and there's just a TV in the corner of the dirt bar. Yeah. And he's like, this is my theater where I'll be showing the movie. He gets his van, and he covers it in fake birds and fake blood. And he just scotch tapes on the side of the van handmade banners for his movie, and he's passing out flyers to people at Sundance trying to get them to come to this shitty-ass, dangerous-looking dirt bar to come and see his film. And a few people from a few bad movie websites went and saw the movie, like bloodydisgusting.com and uh, Dread Central and a few other, uh, like, bad movie people who happened to be at Sundance, and one of them was, like, Severin Studios, who releases, like, big, like, out-there, bizarre, outsider, B-movie yeah. art films. And they happen to see this movie, and they're like, shit, you want to make a deal? And next thing you know, the trailer gets out, and suddenly that's on uh, Attack of the Show and uh, Talk Soup, The yeah. Soup, you know? And suddenly everyone's making fun of the trailer for this movie, and so it's released on DVD in 2011. And uh, now this is the funny, sad part about it. He's still convinced that he is like a, a movie genius. And so <coughs> he did a Kickstarter to crowdfund Birdemic 3. He asked for $200,000. And he got $230. Oh. And that's like, oh, you just, you just, you just hurt my heart. That is sad. But still, uh, James Naguyan says that Birdemic 3, Sea Eagle, yeah. is happening and will be out next year. So get hyped for Birdemic 3, Sea Eagle. Sea which Eagle. I'm which I'm assuming is like Speed 2 Cruise Control. This time yes. it's Birdemic on a boat. Is what I'm assuming he's going to go the next direction with this. So get ready for Birdemic 3 and... You don't have to watch Birdemic 2. It's pretty. It, it's it's worse than this in a different way because it definitely has a budget, and it has like like a very small studio, but still a studio backing it. 
but also it's it's literally just a parody of the first one and it's really really bad it's really horrible i'm hoping that when when and if Verdemic 3 happens that it goes back to fuck the studio fuck all of that I myself am going to go make this film just like I made the first goddamn Birdemic, and I don't need a studio, and I don't need, like, uh, actual bands to help me. I just want James Nguyen to make another Birdemic film by himself with random people that he probably got on fucking Craigslist, get some stock footage special effects, just go back to what you did the first time, you know? <laughs> that is what I am hoping, because goddammit, I hate this movie, but I love hating this movie. Yeah. You know? Because the dude's heart is in the right place, and it's kind of quaint in a do-it-yourself sort of way. Yeah. You know? Like, fucking good for you, James Nguyen. You know? This is, out of all of the movies on the IMDb Bottom 100, especially out of the ones that we've watched... A lot of them are uh, studios pouring a shit ton of money into what is a pile of shit. But this is one guy with a dream. And it's like, okay, yeah. this is the movie in the IMDb bottom 100 I can get behind. I can get behind this. I can get behind Manos, you know? Yeah. I would rather get behind... Uh, 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 Manos and Birdemic than fucking Cast Away, uh, Swept Away with yeah. Madonna. Fucking, like, this movie is a million times worse, but god damn it, I would watch Birdemic before I watch Battlefield Earth again. Yeah. And that movie was a scam. We know that now. <laughs> but I love this movie. I love this movie. My entire family gets down to hanging out with my family. That's a bop. Yeah. And I love the fact that they obviously like struck a deal with, with, with a, an owner of a restaurant to come and film when it's closed, and he's obviously the waiter. Yeah. And it's closed because it's like pitch dark outside. There's no lights, and there's no other, there's no other customers. But a band is out there like, all right, people. All right, yeah. Okay, we're going to get down now. And it's like, where are you looking? There are two people in there. Hanging out with my family, having ourselves a party. Love, love Birdemic. Love it. <sighs> so, Bunny? Yes. No more polls. No more, no more having people choose the next fun movie we're going to watch. We are in the end game. Okay. Next week, we watch the number two. And the week after that, we finish our summer with number one. Okay. These next two weeks are going to hurt, and I apologize. Uh, next week, we're watching Super Babies, Super Geniuses 2. It's already on the shared uh, cough cough that, that, that we have. Wow. 
It's the number two worst film of all time, and it will prepare us for the pain of number one. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I could do this. No, I could do this. I could do this. We, 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 yeah. Yeah. We got to finish yeah. strong. Okay? So. We can't let this beat us. We got this. We got this. We got this. Yeah. These next two weeks are going to be difficult, but we can do it. We are professionals. Yes. Next week, we're doing Super Baby, Super Geniuses 2. And after that, we are finishing it off with the worst movie of all time, which, god damn it, I've been dreading watching. <laughs> god damn it, I've just been... This whole summer, I've been like, oh, eventually, we're going to get to 2008's disaster movie. But, okay. We're not there yet. Super Baby, Super Geniuses 2, next week on the podcast. I may have come up with a game for us to play during our discussion of Super Baby, Super Geniuses 2, so at least there's that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But we've got this, Bunny. We have got this. We have got uh, this. My, my new notebook has a bunch of, like, weed stickers on it. This is the Oklahoma City Constant Elevation Unit. Oh. Sticker. My favorite is, this isn't a sticker for the University of Oklahoma. It says, oh, you smoke? <laughs> That's my favorite one. And uh, Oil Tycoon Concentrates. I can't do concentrates. I don't know how anyone. Uh, Amber almost went to the hospital because she was with some stoners who dab. Yeah. And she oh, was yeah. like, I've, I've smoked a little bit of weed. I can try this. And then like a half hour later, she is forgetting how to breathe. Poor, poor thing. But know your doses, people. Know what you can handle. Uh, I, I enjoy myself a good dab from time to time. Yeah, I, I don't because I know what I can handle. That would yeah. drive me fucking insane. So, uh, so, yeah, that's next week. Next week, we will be discussing Saturday Night Live and a limo for a lame-o. We will also be talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds' new movie, Free Guy. We will also be talking about lizard people, which is always very exciting. Yes. I have a great lizard people bit that's going to open up next week, and I'm so excited about it. It's going to feature the kids. It's going to be so hilarious. And uh, Super Baby, Super Geniuses 2, the number two worst movie of all time. It's going to be painful, but we're going to do it. But now that I'm looking back at this episode, man... Texas-sized episodes. The highs, the lows, the ups, the downs. Uh, man. Norman Fell. Yes. Rift Tracks. Uh, the Suicide Squad, the Emoji Movie. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of podcast. A fairly good one. A decent This episode. has been a damn good episode. 
Good. You know what this episode was? Uh, guys' night. Because Natasha is gone right now. She had to go run an errand. And uh, Jeannie's gone. So this was the guys' night episode of the Pokemon film. True. True. Hell yeah. We are partying. <laughs> I'm going to go drink a Coca-Cola right now in yeah. celebration. Uh, Maxwell, Bella is not here. Can you do Bella's uh, wrap-up line? Okay, thank you. Uh, but yes, thank you, uh, Bunny. I, 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 I agree with what you said, but you know, I, I didn't want to step on your toes because you are the person who makes those distinctions, not me. So yes, I concur with your uh, assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Stephen on behalf of uh, Bella, Natasha, Maxwell, Eleanor, and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you do waffles and And you sing odor over and cookies with sprinkles on it. There you go. Do 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 do